Welcome to Scum, Beer, and Villainy, the podcast about beer, geekery, and everything in between. I'm your host, Marcel Harper. I have been brewing beer for more than a decade now and am the creator of the beginnerbrewer.com blog. I'm joined, as always, by my fellow beer nerd and regular nerd, Matt Bezeling. <laughs> Matt might be able to do a crazy Larry or a soft shoulder or a baker's dozen, but I don't think he has enough people. Hi, Matt. <laughs> Hi, hi. <laughs> could my could my intro quotes be any more obscure? <laughs> I was going to say I, I I was worried about what those things might actually be, and then we're going to get into things like you can do an angry dragon or an upper decker or. A... <laughs> no, we're not talking about those now, Matt. That's the other podcast we have on you know weird sexual proclivities. Yes, it's called um, weird I'll... sexual proclivities. Weird, yes, it's very very easy to find. It is. Hi, it's big SEO there. How are you doing? Um, I'm fine, thank you. I'm fine. Uh, we need to amend one thing in your intro yes. all the time, which is that we're probably the world's only annual podcast. We we are trying very hard to become annual, you know. Yeah. I mean, occasionally yeah. we screw what? it up and then we have two episodes a year and then, you know, that really busts the statistics on Correct. iTunes for me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's been a while, and I think regular listeners to our podcast, which in itself is oxymoron because you can't <laughs> really be yeah. a regular listener of an annual podcast. Um, yeah. I, I think I'd like to think, right, that the way we are, you know, for them when they notice that, you know, oh, there's a new, you know, Scumbia Villainy episode of my pod feeder, it's like, you know, it's like finding a, a, a 20 buck note at the bottom of your sock drawer, you know? You didn't it's like Christmas it. morning. It's nice when you see it. It's, oh, that's nice, you know, and I'd like to oh. think that, yeah. Oh, that warm, fuzzy feeling. You it's know? that warm, fuzzy, you know, unless oh. we are simply talking to each other and no one else is listening, which can also be. Don't. My mom still listens religiously. Well, that's good because she, she by, is our longest standing listener yes. subscriber. Yeah. Well, by, by religiously, I mean she listens while crossing herself and praying to God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to the, to the Please mother of save these children. Save them. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how I, I created them, but it's, it's not my fault. Satan, get behind me. <laughs> Behind me, Satan. <laughs> so, did you catch my um, intro quotation? Do you? Can you guess where that comes from? Uh, it's it sounds familiar, but let's be entirely honest. I'm I'm not going to guess that. Yeah, that's that's a level of obscurity that. So it's meant to connect to, to the theme of today's show, which is um, you and I are going to be doing another draft. Now, I love drafts. You hate them. Uh, I think I should tell everyone that, just so that they know that. That explains the you know, note of misery in your voice. The reticence, yeah. I, I believe I used the term passe. You did. Yeah, passe. I, 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 don't, yeah. I don't mind being passe. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm oddly Drafts okay with it. Drafts are so 2019. And yet, I still love them, you know. No, no, no. And so we're going to indulge you today. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, You're for welcome. indulging me. You're welcome. <laughs> so we're going to be doing our movie draft and the movie theme is heist movies and that mm. quote comes from uh, a very particular uh, kind of a reasonably okay heist movie oceans 12 um where they discuss all the different little things oh, that, that's right stuff. yeah that's right i remember that oh they've always got these strange names for the type of people they need in their in their yeah, con. the the con itself yeah 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 in oceans 13 they talk about they're going to need a brody a brody which is which is the which is the adrian brody knows that they put on Mac yes Damon. yes and apparently right. the other things i mentioned in oceans 13 are all production crew members 
So that's names of, of people in the production crew. Uh, right. Yeah. Little little in jokes. The reason I thought heist movies would work today, Matt, is I don't know about you, but I mean, the other day I went through, you know, my collection of uh, laser discs. It's a very, uh, <laughs> modern technology, which some of you won't know about. I was and, looking at my reel-to-reel library. <laughs> yeah, your reel-to-reel, eight millimeter. Uh, and I realized with with some of a somewhat of a surprise that some of the movies I am most fond of and tend to re-watch all fall in that category um, mm. of a heist movie. I don't know why that is. I, there's something incredibly compelling about the tropes, you know, available in a heist movie for me. You know, it's just yeah. I, I love seeing the trope kind of being brought out, you know, and and often wonder I, how the this movie is going to sort of make it new and fresh again. Yeah. I noticed the, a big overlap in in like – heist and con movies you know like these yes these, they share basically all the same tropes yeah they do i mean that's a good question maybe we should start with that i mean what what is in and out when it comes to heist movies i'm sure that we will have some heated debates later on when i realize yeah. that, you know none of the movies you're drafting are in fact heist movies yeah yeah well that's the thing is i think so in a heist movie, they've got to be stealing something. That's mm. that's number one. Number you've got to be stealing something. But I, I think that there's that subcategory of con films, you know, yeah. where where it's a, a conf, confidence trickster and things like that, yes. where what, what they're stealing isn't like an object or something like mm. that. They're just they're just stealing someone's money, yeah. you know. So I would, so, I would so, personally put that outside of the realm of heist, the con movie. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I mean, I've I've got question marks next to a whole bunch of my draft, mm. just in case you did this. So yeah, look, I mean, I think I, I I think the DNA sharing between con and heist, you know, is such that you're probably going to get away with it. I think because it often involves a very complicated plot with many moving parts. Um, you know, I think which is why they they so similar. Um, yeah. You know, but I wouldn't put something like a dirty rotten scoundrels, which is one of my favorite con movies in this list no no true 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 i i agree with you there yeah. but i probably would for example put um now be kind now of be sla- like oh Matt, yeah i'm Maybe wondering I if i shouldn't give away my stuff now there's one there is another i mean i think the con versus heist movie thing is less controversial for me than movies which are clearly about a job being done by criminals but somehow doesn't feel to me to be a heist movie because I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be the same. So there's one in particular I'm thinking of, which I thought about putting on my list because it is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And might well be on my top 10 of all time favorite movie lists if we ever go yeah. and do that, which we should. We should do that. Uh, we've never done that. We've never actually gone for what is your absolute top movies of all time. Um, that seems impossible, but okay. I know, but you know, that's it's in the impossibility that we will find our salvation. <laughs> we'll find truth. <laughs> Indeed. Um, okay, so, so which one? So I'm a kind of, I wonder if I should say that because maybe it's on your list, but okay, I'm just going to yeah. say it. So yeah. I really thought hard about putting Heat on as a heist movie. Mm. I love that movie. But it doesn't mm. feel to me like a heist movie. It's a, even though it has some of these, I mean, they, they come up with really complicated plots of how to steal stuff, but somehow it just didn't feel the same for me, you know, as a heist yeah. movie in my mind. So I yeah, it's it's a crime movie. It's, it's a, a crime, it's movie, a crime yeah. movie, and I think also a heist movie for the the payoff needs to be the heist. 
you know You're that right. that's the, the 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 aim of the of the movie you you should get that that the, the final act should really be about them pulling it off yes and either succeeding or failing and if that isn't the the highlights of the film you know I, there's one that i was going to put on mission impossible mm. where where you know th- that high scene the original one where tom cruise goes into the silo and yeah. hangs from the roof hang and, the, the classic you know, hang from the roof scene Correct. Now that's the heisty bit of the film, but it's not the it's not the turn. You know, yeah. the the turn is at the end on the train where they're kind of conning each other a little bit. So that's you know, I don't I, again. So that's why I don't think Mission Impossible can be seen as a heist mm. film. I would actually argue Mission Impossible is more of a heist film than Heat, where, which is much more about the relationship between the characters and it's you know it's a crime story. It's like yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's a couple in that genre, which is, again, probably worth yeah. a, a different show for us. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, well, okay, we've, cool. la- we've laid, laid the groundwork. We've laid the groundwork, uh, as it were. And now it's time for my favorite part of the show, man. Can you guess what? <laughs> Why don't you tell me, Marcel? Why don't you tell me? It is the is intro the beer. Intro beer! Intro beer! Intro beer! That's probably one of your best. I think Thank that's, you. that's one for Thank the books, you. buddy. Thank you. I find I find COVID has really elevated my, my singing oh, abilities. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. As opposed to just suppress, you know, your, your will to live. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, as I was lying there wanting to die for hours and hours and hours, I, I thought at least Lord, I'm getting a good now. voice out of this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So because this is still done remotely, uh, the show, uh, for now, um, also, just because I don't really like being in the same room with you, man. Um, mm. the, no, that's uh, very clever. It is, isn't it? So the intro beer is different today in the sense that each one of us will have a different intro beer. Uh, that, this is my excuse. Basically, the real reason is I can't really organize a piss up in a brewery. We, I forgot. The irony. We, yeah. I forgot uh, that we needed a, <laughs> a mutual intro beer. So now we're just going for whatever up in the fridge. Um, yeah. What's your intro beer? So my intro beer is from Agars. Yeah, Agars. Um, Josie-based Agars. Yeah, Joe Big-based. Um, I actually recently went to uh, a restaurant slash pub close to their brewery where they've got all of their beers on tap. And it was a delightful afternoon out, oh, I wow. might say. Yeah. That is nice. I but, don't think I've ever yeah. been anywhere where that's been true of, of Agars. Yeah. No, I think it's probably the... Tap. Yeah, yeah, I think it's probably the only place in the country. But but anyway, so I tasted there, which I hadn't really tasted in a bottle before, is the English Ale, and I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I'm going to be drinking now as our intro beer, is the, the English Ale. Nice. I, I don't think I've had that beer. Or if I have, it's many, many years ago. Okay. Well, then you're a fool. I am. I'm a fool. Well, let me tell you're you, my intro beer is an interesting one. So recently... An old brewery which had gone out of business around about, I think, 20, uh, speak under correction, about 2014, they uh, they closed doors. Um, Smack Breweries. Do you remember them? Smack. Of course yeah. I do. They were in uh, Newtown. Not they Newtown. New- um, uh, was Mubbling. Newtown. Yeah, Mubbling. That's sort right. Of arts that's right. Main. That's right. That's right. So Smack Republic, That was that's the name of the brewery. So they back up again. Uh, someone bought that brewery. And is now started. To, and what's interesting is that you know a lot of times when when craft breweries close doors, they they might sell their equipment, and then someone would start their own new you know craft brand 
but, but it seems like these guys bought the brand as well. They've taken the whole brand over, yeah. So that's interesting. It was, if, if I remember correctly, they had a pretty strong brand. They, they had did. good graphic design. Mm. They had, it was... It was a nice, simple design as well. Yeah, um, and I, they, I, they're very sort of Joe's, Josie-centric, so all their stuff references parts of Joburg. I'm yeah. having the Newtown Nemesis, which uh, is actually a new one. So this is not – I don't think this was part of the original stable of beers. I don't remember um, that. And uh, so I'm looking forward to this. This is a – I think it's a porter. It's not very clear from the label what it is, but uh, I'm sure I'm going to find out. What's a robust intro beer? Yeah, I thought it, I'd need something a little dark and mysterious. And it's apparently <laughs> it's apparently got some vanilla. Um, it's a milk stout. Oh, there it is. I found it. Ah, oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. that's okay. That's all right. That's not a bad breakfast beer. It's not. Well, I thought you know milk stout breakfast. There we go. Yeah. All right. Let's get the foley. Yeah, my my foley sucks as always. I think we're gonna have yeah. to, we're gonna have to rely on you for foley, man, as we always do. As I- as I pour over my laptop. <laughs> we always do that too. Yeah. Yes. Yes, this has definitely seen better days. And then while we, we sip on our intro beer, and I'm sure you're going to give us a bit of a run through of the uh, the Agers uh, English Ale, um, I, I just want to let our listeners know that uh, we are, in fact, also tasting other beers today. It's part of the show, as you know. Um, we're probably going to add a few or at least one more beer to our ever-growing IPA leaderboard. Which is actually really one of the more popular pages on Beginner Brewer's website. Because because out of all the things that matter in the world, the best IPA matters the most. I think I couldn't have put it better myself. I think I should actually put that on the page. Um, <laughs> because that just You're welcome. succinctly describes everything. You know, yeah. life, the universe, and everything. Yeah. Um, so, so we're going to probably add at least one IPA because I think there's at least one IPA today, maybe two, if I'm not mistaken. I think there's, I think there's two. Yeah. There's two, actually. So we're going to be adding two IPAs today, plus two other beers, all from the same brewery. We haven't done this very often on the show where we taste all the available beers for one brewery. Now, I have yeah. to say, this is not all the available beers of this brewery. It's the ones we got as part of a pack we bought online, um, you and I, so... It's, there are many other beers you can have of this brewery, and obviously we will be having some of them in future episodes. Um, but the brewery in question is a Cape Town-based brewery. They are near Franschhoek, a little town in the Western Cape, and they are called Soul Barrel Brewing Company. Um, I am personally almost giddy with excitement at having taste, you know, the opportunity to taste this, uh, this brand because I really do love their beers. So I am unashamedly a fan of uh, of the brewery i've been there a couple of times i um the brewer uh nick smith who, who is uh, a u.s uh, born and trained brewer who've resettled here in sunny south africa um really knows what he's doing he is really a bit of a craft guru and um some would even say he's a bit of a brewer's brewer because he really pushes the you know what we do in south african craft beer i think to uh, very interesting places, and uh, um, I, I had uh, I had two of the beers yesterday that we're going to be tasting today, mm, mm. and I must say I was very impressed, very yeah. very impressed. So I know that you're very excited. I've literally pissed myself three times waiting for this. So <laughs> that's a beautiful image right there. I'm, I'm urinating right now. Uh, <laughs> you should have that looked at, man. 
they say it's mental, not physical. <laughs> I believe them. Whoever they are, we should keep on listening. Trying to spoil them a little bit more. Yeah, no, that's it's. Um, I am looking forward to it. I think. I think it, um, from my tasting, yes, because I, I, I haven't had them before this. Mm. Um, it, it's it, it's quality beer, very very quality. Yeah, beer. and I mean, another part of Soul Barrel because it's in the name is they they've really been um, doing a lot of barrel aged beers. So they're one of the breweries in the country which really are nailing barrel aged beers, um, mm. sort of your lambic style beers, which are aged in in a barrel. Your bourbon barrel um, aged beers. Um, and especially uh, the sour beers and those sort of beers, they're very into as well. None, none of those cool. will be tasted today, but uh, look out for a future episode. I think it's about time we do a bit of a farm style. Yeah, uh, I know that you're episode. mad keen on your sour beers. Yeah. So sour. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll get into that dirty shit soon enough. Mm. That's exactly what it is, man. It's just dirty, dirty beer. It's just dirty, dirty beer. <laughs> Yeah, before we get a bit too saucy here, tell me about the beer you're having, man. Um, so yeah, so like I said, it's English ale. Um, it's um, just a, a, a warning to our regular listeners. I know that I normally am overwhelmingly filled with facts and and mm. amazing insight into every you're beer I drink. Ideas but, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I've I've lost a substantial amount of my ability to both smell and taste. So I'm just kind of guessing. And so I guess this that's tastes still like beer. Still not back. Dude, it's um I, I I probably have about 60 or 70% smell, I'd say. Wow. Yeah, I'm I, I struggle with kind of exotic uh notes. Like I I no longer understand what's going on inside an Indian restaurant. It just all smells very very strange. That's interesting. Yeah. So that it's will tough. affect your ability to taste beer. Yeah. Yeah, very much so, very much so. But I must say that I'm uh, the notes on English ale. I, um, I'm definitely getting a lot of maltiness. It's quite a. It's a, you can definitely smell the bitterness. A uh, nice lacy head. Mm-hmm. It's relatively well on style for it. Probably a little bit more carbonated than I'd expect. Yeah, um, it ought to be a little less carbonated. Those beers. Mm, yeah, but I'm getting a lot of champagne bubbles from it. Um, but it's very refreshing. It's very crisp. It is quite bitter, but it's mm. bitter from the malt more than the hops. But yeah, it's a, it's a nice refreshing. It's also, I would say, a very nice breakfast beer. You know, I think English ales really are amongst those group of beers we could term a good breakfast beer. You know, so yeah, I'm 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 really loving this milk stout. By the way, I mean the Smack Republic milk stout is quite pleasant. Um, for the homebrewers out there who are interested in making milk stouts, the main reason it's called a milk stout is because it has lactic sugar in it, so lactose, um, and the the interesting part of that is it actually does create sweetness in the beer because yeast cannot ferment mm. lactose. So whatever lactose you put in your beer will remain in that beer until the end. Um, and that's sort of why it's called a milk stout. Um, uh, would you, is it is it a stout with lactose? Is that like the definition? Pretty much, yeah. So you, you make it according to a stout style. It could be sort of like an Irish stout style or, or something like that. Uh, you know, as long as it has dark malts, a little bit of roasted barley or black malt would, would be sufficient. And uh, again, your hop, you know, your hops you're going to add are going to be kind of in the background. It's just there to balance out the beer. It's not really a hop forward beer at all. And then you add um, lactose in, which, you know, will sweeten the beer. So a milk stout is always a little bit sweet. Not super sweet. No beer should ever be super sweet, but it certainly is sweeter yeah. than your average um, stout. So definitely if you compare that to, let's say, a Guinness, which is an Irish stout, the, yeah. the milk stout ought to be a little sweeter. 
Does it does it affect the texture at all? It can, you know, and the mouthfeel is usually a little silkier. I'm picking up a lot of vanilla here in this beer because they've added um, bourbon uh, vanilla, which uh, really works well in a milk stout, you know, because it's already going towards the dessert territory. The creamy type of... Yeah, so vanilla is a good, a good addition. You can also make a very cool little dessert by just adding... You can make yourself a um, milk stout sundae. Just add a bit of ice cream to your milk stout or rather milk stout to your ice cream, top it off with some cream. Very, very pleasant. Mm. Mm. If I wasn't urinating before, I certainly am now. <laughs> Back with the urination, I see. <laughs> it's a good thing that you're uh, sitting on those cheap plastic chairs of yours. Uh, yes, well, <laughs> as if I have chairs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I, I wanted, I, I wanted to ask about the English show, Marcel. Mm. Um, that I mean, what when in terms of the style? Um, you know, I've been in the UK, and we, I've had a lot of the. Their cask ales. Yes. Is that really is that really the style of the English ale that we've kind of internationalized? I mean, to some extent, but the the cask ale is different in the sense that it is in fact aged in wooden casks. So, mm. and and you know, it's it's transported in it, it's served from them. So that's a very old style of English beer. You know, so almost more towards the ancient ale style we would yeah, see very nowadays. Traditional. Yeah. So it's very little carbonation. Um, it's got a lot of the wood sort of uh, flavor in it as well not quite i mean i, th- I think the the modern sort of english pale ale is really brought from that so when they started mass producing it big breweries started making them um you know your uh, the, the big guys like thornton breweries and fullers and others who have become almost synonymous with english ales yeah um so they they brew it now in a very you know normal modern way of you know big fermenters um they don't age it in, in wood anymore um, if they do uh, want to add wood flavors, they'll often use wood staves in the fermenter, um, similar to the, what they do in the wine industry. If you're not going to put your wine in a, a wood barrel, you can also create the wood flavor by putting these sort of round, big staves. They, they're sort of of different woods, and you can and it can be quite sophisticated in the control you get from that. So that's I'm, I'm blown away by the by the by the idea of wine not being fermented in in. Uh, in barrels, yeah, in oak. yeah, it's expensive. Or, you know, the, these oak barrels are not cheap. So, in your cheaper range of wines, we, 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 when they still want that sort of wood aged flavour, they would often use uh, staves. They just they just submerge wood in it. Yeah, it's it's Is actually kind of, if you Google it, you'll see what it, they look like. They sort of imagine a very, very you know big rod of of oak, and then they 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 sort of cut into it. So they have many. Different cuts in the wood, like so notches, yeah. notches to create a bigger surface area, and uh, and you stick that in the in the stainless steel fermenter, and if you leave it there for long enough, it's going to definitely impart wood flavor. And then I, I assume they reuse that stave. It is not just like yeah. a one sort. Yeah. yeah, And again, very much like your second, third, full barrels, the more you reuse it, the less pronounced that wood flavor becomes. Right. Oh, okay. Interesting. Home brewers okay. can do that too. They can. Use the sort of smoke, the, the smoking chips you you have for your your Weber, you know your barbecue. Yes, yeah, yeah. You can use that. You can stick that in your fermenter for added wood flavor. That was the intro beer. Very pleasant. I enjoyed mine. I don't know about you. Oh, I'm um, very enjoying mine. Good, good one. Let's start off with the draft, Matt. So we've, we're going to do a high smoothie draft, and uh, obviously yeah. the way it works is, uh, and because you're. Uh, the visitor and I'm the host. You can go first. So once you pick, yeah. picked a movie, it's off. You know, I can't. It's off the table. I can't pick it again. 
Um, so there's always a, f- a few strategies you can adopt with these drafts. You can, you know, shoot your load early, uh, yeah. or you can, yeah, you can leave it for last. Something I've obviously become very very familiar to. with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, it's probably related to the Euro Nation. Um, so what okay. you, what's your All strategy right. going to be? Are you going to go for your favorite movie first, or are you going to leave that for later? See, see, that's the thing is I've, uh, I need to intuit where you are, where your headspace is, because you know, I'm not leaving my best ones on the table because you're saying them. Exactly. Um, but at the same time, I don't, want, I don't want to, as you say, shoot my load all over the podcast. So um, I think I'm going to start with a strong contender, right. very strong contender, but probably not the best one. Okay, so you're sort of in the second string. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what I'm gonna start gonna I'm gonna start I'm gonna start with the inside man. Ah, oh, that is an excellent choice. Yeah, inside man. So uh, Spike Lee. Spike Lee. Clive Owen. Yeah, and uh, Denzel Washington, I mean. Denzel Washington, Jody Foster, um, Max von Sydow. I know, right? It's a it's a stellar cast. It's a stellar cast. Absolutely stellar cast. I mean I've realized that Denzel is one of those actors I just I love watching him, no matter what he does. And it's just so compelling. That's a good one. It, it's uh, it was on my list, so it's off my list now. Uh, Fantastic! You sniped it right out. It was actually on my knocking number, those pins down. It was on my number three. It was my number three choice. Yeah, uh, uh. yeah. I am. Um, I think that's one of those films where it's not not just a great heist film where you get the you get the payoff of them successfully completing the heist. Mm. It all it has the 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 next step after that where when you learn how they did it. Yes. It's almost like you didn't see it coming. You mm-hmm. know, you d- it it wasn't just the success that, that that kind of knocks you. It's like, oh my god, that's what they were doing the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right, it's there on screen. You can see you can see them doing it. You just don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And then, oh yeah, absolute. It's a, it's a total winner for a heist film. It's wonderful. I mean, it works on so many levels. I, I mean, I love Jodie Foster's character. She's sort of slimy, but also not quite. Mm. And you know, but and you kind of wonder. Like you have to believe there are people out there like her, you know, like these fixers who, yeah. who get things sorted for the mega wealthy, but who are on the questionable moral territory. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and so there's some real iconic characters. I mean, really great camera work, as you would expect from a Spike Lee movie. Yeah. Um, I love his camera it's, work. You know, the, the yeah, dolly it's very shots, visceral. the the you know grading he has on the on the interview sections of the movie where they interview the various people trying to figure out who was in on the heist, who wasn't. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's quite obviously, uh, you know, and I hesitate to use the word kind of urban, but New York city and, mm. uh, and the city itself has got, ha, ha, you know, has texture in his forms. It's, it's, yeah, a, it's a real character. You know, the, absolutely. You know, mm. it, I don't think that movie, I think it would lose a lot by not being situated in a, where you know that there's corruption and, and politics yeah. and this and that and the confusion. And, and I, I think, yeah, I think, think it really works because uh, uh, he brings it in as a character in his mm. films you know i mean it's obviously it's easy to say that you know of, of most films so oh, you know the place is a character but i think spike i mean i don't think i'm speaking to greg schmidt i don't think a lot of spike lee movies not set in new york um and he his love of that city is always in the movie you know yeah. i think that's actually part of it it's not so much the character of the city it's it's if you don't have a deep passion and love for that place it can't go into your movie in the same way yeah, very um, much so. And I think very he does. Much so. uh, yeah, lovely movie. Yeah, and also, I mean, it's a good payoff. You know, it's like one of those where yeah. the bad guy yeah. does get his just desserts. You know. Um, yeah, yeah. Everything, everything works out exactly yeah. the way it's supposed to. Yeah. It's like it's and and every now and again, it's nice to see a film like that where it doesn't throw a twist at you like 
you know, Denzel Washington was a Nazi. It's it's like you that guy was a good guy and that guy was a bad guy. And the good guy got good stuff and the bad yeah. guy got bad stuff. Exactly. And that's, I like that. No, and, and I like that. I like mm. that as well. It's mm. you know, not not every movie has to be seven. You know exactly, and I think, and although a lot of dark things happen in the movie, it it has that positive, you know, arrow pointing upwards at the end, and that's fun, you know. And, and for Spike Lee to make a movie like that, I think is, is specifically good because his movies aren't always very optimistic at the end, mm. you know. Yeah, I think he's got he's got moral gray areas in his films a lot of the time, and um, I think this is a much more straightforward kind of look. Uh, with, without going into deep moralization of who the characters are, of just being able to say sometimes people are just good and sometimes people are just bad. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that movie, Inside Man. If you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. It is a yeah, beautiful, a great beautiful film. movie. And Clive Owen, great, great as a as a sort of antagonist in a sense here. All right, that's uh, there we go. Good just, pick, man. Bah, yeah, drop that on you. Drop that one right out. So now I'm not so sure. Now I might have to go big here to make sure that I get something oh. in. For I steal all of them. I would. I, I'm going to pick my number two on the list, which is a little movie called The Score with uh, Robert De Niro mm. and um, Edward Norton. That's right. Do you know that movie? That's right. I have. I last watched it many, many years ago. Mm. But I, I do remember thinking that um, Edward Norton was the coolest person that had ever lived. He's such a great actor, actually. I mean, I, he's sort of disappeared recently. I don't know actually what he's up to. I mean, I haven't seen him in any movies. Do you know what's the, going the, on with the man? The, yeah, the, the last one I saw him in was, uh, was Birdman. That was the last mm. one I remember seeing him in, which was quite a while back. Um, I've, I've heard that apparently he's quite difficult to work with and he's got a bit of a, a name for himself in Hollywood mm. as being difficult. So uh, I'm not sure if that's entirely true, but uh, I do know he sees himself as a, a bit of an artiste and a, a triple threat in terms of rewriting scripts and things oh, like that. So, okay. That's not going to make you so, popular, I guess. Not, not entirely, not entirely. But um, but I think the score was still back when he he was an actor and just acting the shit out of everything. Yeah, I mean, I I think Ed Norton is fun to watch. You know, I like him. Um, he's also in another really good Spike Lee movie, um, 20, 25 Hours. Twenty five hours, yes, yeah, that's which right. Is an excellent movie. And uh, in the score, he does it again. You know, he he's, he plays characters within a character in a sense because he's in in the story he's acting out a a role. Of someone who yeah. he's not to to gain the confidence of of people in in this sort of um, museum, I think, which is they're trying to heist. Uh, it's a, a, a customs house. A customs or house, yeah. And Robert De Niro is the sort of he does the real professional incredibly well. You know, he does. It's a bit of a role made for him. You know, to be the the quiet professional thief who does all the right mm. moves. He never makes any mistakes. Mm. And then Norton's character sort of. And and his friend, who's who's played by Marlon Brando, in one that's of, right, it might be so one of his Brando very last uh, performances, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. You know, he pushes him into a place where he he's forced to make some compromises to his normally incredibly calculated, you know, sort of approach. It's a cool movie. It, it's got all the tropes. I mean, it is a trope salad in some ways. I mean, it really does have all the tropes you could imagine. Absolutely, the double cross, the yeah. the, the high tech surveillance, the yeah yeah, it, it does tick every box. Yeah, but some and and I think maybe for that reason, it's it's high on my list because it does everything incredibly well. It delivers exactly what you want from a heist movie. Um, it's got some twists, it's got some turns, it's got excellent character actors. It's just, I mean, it's just one of those. You know, sometimes a good heist movie to me feels a bit like a 
I guess like a cozy detective novel does to some people. Yeah, like you can, yeah. There's like a procedural aspect to it. Yeah, but it's also just com- it's comfortable. You know, you can sit down, you can have your popcorn. You kind of know what to expect. It's not going to ask too much of you. It's not going to take you through tremendously disturbing things emotionally, but it's going to be fun. You know, it's going to be fun. Um, and this one's directed by Frank Oz, actually, more known for his puppet work in uh, in the Muppets and other things. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 Yoda. Yeah, I mean Frank Oz. It seems like when he does make live action movies, he really hits hits it out of the park. You know. Um, I think it wasn't wasn't Angela Bassett in that as well. Yeah, she's in it. She's always fun to watch. I mean, absolutely. Oh, that's uh, right. Um, this was t- this was twenty years ago. I've just looked this up. This was this movie was made in two thousand and one. I know, right? We're old. How man. how how is this twenty years ago? I know it doesn't feel twenty years ago. But it is. My goodness. Uh, but well worth seeing. If you haven't seen this one and you're, and you're a fan of any of these actors we mentioned, uh, you should go watch it. Uh, then the, uh, the score so is it. The score. Was that on your list or not really? No, it wasn't actually. Okay. It wasn't. I um, you, you haven't taken one away, but you certainly laid a good one on the board. It's time, I think, for another beer. What do you think? Oh, yes. Let's do that. Yes, so we're going to taste these in order. The soul barrel ones, which I have determined through I was gonna say, what order? analysis and thinking. And tarot cards. <laughs> tarot cards. Generally, if, if you taste a lot of different kinds of beers like we are today, you want to start with your lighter beers first so that your palate's not completely destroyed by having, let's say, a, a double IPA first and then moving on to a golden ale. You know, it's, that's the wrong order in which to do it. There's two options here, and I think the, the lightest one for us would probably be their table beer. Um, which is meant to be a light beer. The style of table beer is um, one which comes from, I think, Germany and Belgium, that region of the world. And um, it's also a farm style, so it's it's meant to come from places where, you know, it's sort of the farm style beers are things like your saisons and so on, which is often um, made with what's available. You know, the grains are available. doesn't have a very sophisticated hobble usually, there might be an addition of herbs um, and spices to these beers to aid the bitterness because your hops are not, you know, that that um, heavy. And um, and they're light. So table beers can be sort of from 2% up to 5%. Um, and traditionally, I mean, the table beers were also made so that young people could drink them. So it wouldn't be uncommon for a German or a Belgian family to have a table beer where the children would also drink that as part of their meal. So it's very low in alcohol. Um, it's meant to just be a sort of an accompaniment uh, to your to your meal. That's the that's the one we're going to start with. So with Soul Barrel, it is Pale Farm is the one they that's their table beer. Um, I, I don't think I've ever ever had a table beer. I yeah, don't it's think... not it's not common. I mean, there was a, another version of this very nice one by label called Little Wolf. Now you know Little Wolf. They have those delightful, yeah. beautiful labels. So they unfortunately, yes, yes. they're no longer around. They had a table beer as well. Okay, so let's let's uh, crack open this uh, puppy and let's uh, let's do it a little bit like we normally do and uh, start with the uh, you know before the pour. That's where we get to be very opinionated. We always are. Mm-hmm. Listeners know that we are very opinionated about design. <laughs> Just forewarning. Um, I, uh, I I like I like the labels. Um, I is a. You know, it's a relatively nice illustration. It's relatively colourful. Um, I I do like the Soul Barrel logo. It is there on the label. I think that's a very cool 
logo. I'm not a huge fan of the font they've chosen for everything. This this font, I don't think at the size they've printed it at is super readable. It's just a little bit, yeah, it's just a little bit complex for the label, for the size of the label, you know? Other than that, mm. I, I like what they've put you. There's a good story, ingredients, tells you what yeast and what hops they've put in here, which is cool for the yeah. beer, beer nerds. I love that. I mean, yeah. it's, as you know, I always bemoan not having enough information on a beer. And uh, yeah. This this is great. I mean, it it gives you the exact malts used. It doesn't exact just say hops, ma- yeah. malt. It says German pills, you know, wheat, Vienna, Karapul. So, you know, as a home brewer, that's great because you can try and recreate the recipe. Um, yeah. You know, it says what hops there are, what yeast they've used. The water is, is the Simmonsburg Mountain water. You know, so it's it's absolutely open about what's in the beer, which I love about that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I like the label. I don't, uh, I don't see anything super obnoxious about it. Mm. Um, I do, I must say, I do like their uh, bottle tops. I think there's a cool, a proud member of the Craft Brewers Association of South Africa. Yeah, that's with really a little, cool. with a little logo. I like yeah. that a lot. So there are only, if, I mean, there's lots of member um, breweries to this association, but not everyone uses their uh, branding on their beers, and I think that's a really good move. Um, I think so too. And it's sort of part of Soul Barrel's value system. You know, they're very into the beer community and being part of the beer community and contributing to it. And this is one way they're doing that, you know, is to sort of say, you know, there is this association and we're proud to be members of it. Um, That's pretty cool. And I mean, the picture. I was going to say, what do you think of the picture? I like it. I mean, I think it's meant to to be the picture of where the brewery is. So I've been there a few times and they're actually operating out of the uh, old um, Drakenstein winery. And it's it's almost like an historical building. It's, it's quite old, and in the old days they oh, it looks like a Huguenot building. Yeah, and it it it's sort of they they've kind of it's got a funny kind of interior architecture because it was where I think the old barrels used to be stacked up in and stuff. So they've sort of almost squeezed the brewery into what is a pretty awkward space, you know. And the brewery is almost custom made to fit into that space. And um, if you go visit there, you'll you'll see what I mean. Uh, but they've got a lovely outside area where you can sit and. And have your beer, and they they serve snacks and that sort of thing. But um, I think this is meant to sort of be a depiction of that. I kind of like the image, you know. I like good yeah. imagery. Yeah, I, again, yeah, I do. I do like the picture. I do like. I like the label. Like I said, I think the only thing I don't like is their their body font. That's the only thing. That, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a, a fan of that. It's a, that and it's a bit samey. They use the same font all over the place, yeah. you know. And that 3 dish fonts can be a little bit, dare I say, Matt, passe. <laughs> Passe. It's passe. Passe. No, I, I, I think, uh, yeah. I'm going to get some Foley action, nice so I'm not going to make a mess here. Ooh. Ooh, Ooh that's, that that's a first. Well done. Foley, yeah. Must be my uh, new uh, bottle opener I'm using. What do you think? Let's uh, let's pour this puppy in. Are you using any uh, interesting stemware for this one, uh, Matt? Yes, I'm using a 2013 Warthog Brewers Summer Beer Festival Pilsner glass. Oh, very nice. Yeah, and I think a Pilsner glass would be good for the sort of light style, farm style beer. I've got mine here in a goblet, tiny goblet. Like a king, like a merchant prince. Like a, yes, I am, in some ways, I was the king. <laughs> Once upon a time. <laughs> they wanted to make me king, you... but I, I was ready. I was very real. <laughs> Hail to the king, baby. <laughs> Hail to the king, baby. Shop smart, shop smart. <laughs> exactly, you got that. <laughs> Okay, so in the glass, 
uh, sort of hazy straw color uh, for me. Straw color, yeah. It's actually a very light straw. Hey? I'm, very I'm, light, this is yeah. a very, very, very light. Very light. And it's surprisingly a light color given that there's not a, it's not a tiny uh, malt pull here. We've got, but they're all light malt. So your German pulls is a very light style of um, barley and probably the lightest malted barley you can add to beer is the, the Pilsner malts. Um, they add almost no color. And, um, but they've got a bit of pale uh, malt, which is a little darker. Wheat malt's also super light. Vienna malt's sl- slightly, that's probably where the only color comes from is the Vienna, which is a, a light, um, you know, kiln malt, uh, which kind of adds a bit of breadiness, a bit of biscuity notes. Um, and then Carpels, also very light, Pilsner style malt. So yeah, very, very interesting, complex malt pool, but all light malts, which is kind of nice. Yeah. It's a it's a lovely color. I must say, I'm mm. not used to seeing beers that are this this light. From the haziness, I'm going to assume that it's because this is not filtered. They probably um, have live yeast in in the uh, bottling, which is typical of your sort of farm style beers and your your Belgian beers as well. Yeah. Um, and they may yeah, even have done some dry hopping. They even say on the label they make it very clear this beer is alive, unfiltered, and unpasteurized. Keep cold and drink fresh. Very much to style. Nose-wise, I mean, I know your your sense of smell is a bit of a Is Are you yeah, tell us not, that it smells like great. beer? <laughs> I'm, no, I'm not getting a lot of the, off the nose yet, to be entirely honest. Yeah. You, you, I'll, I'll leave this one to you. You tell me. Well, I'm, I'm getting quite a bit of lemon. You know, lemon drop, uh, lemon rind, kind of a very bright lemon, bit of pineapple. Um, so I would say lemon and pineapple. So quite a quite fruity overall and uh, not surprising given you know the hop ball it's it's got southern aroma which is a local hop which is known to have your sort of uh, pineapple-y kind of uh, you know bright tropical fruits uh, bravo i'm not too familiar with bravo cascade very uh, grapefruit forward and sriracha ace which is really a cool um, hop variety i think coming out of uh, bell i'm not belgium uh, japan actually and um yeah, so I mean, also a very interesting use of of hops. You know, not your typical kinds of hop. I like, I like the head. It's a very, very kind of foamy, lacy head. Mm. And sriracha ace has that sort of lemon drop uh, citrus. You know, that's probably where the the scent comes from, the aroma. And uh, when you taste it, what do you think? Does it go down easy? So the, the actually the f- yeah, it's actually delicious. The the first thing I'm tasting is. Is a bitterness, but it's a, a lemon pith bitterness. It's you know, it's uh, it, it's like um, you know when you cook with lemon and you often mm. get that bitterness that comes through with it. That's that was the first thing I tasted. Then right. then that kind of flushes down and you get more of the hoppy kind of bitterness. Mm. But I wouldn't say this is a bitter beer, right? This is more of a no, 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 balance no, no. between hop and malt for me. No, no, no. I, I think that was just kind of the first flavors mm. that hit me. Mm. After that, it kind of balances out a lot. Um, there is kind of citrusy notes. Mm. Um, there's a, there's even a kind of floral note to it. Yeah, there is a really a floral, um, yeah, a very floral sort of perfumey almost, but not in a yeah. negative way. It's beautifully crisp as well. It's super there's crisp. A, there's a, mm. It finishes for me very dry. It's got a quite nice dry finish. Mm. It's I, I, don't, I mean I hesitate to say this, but it's almost like a like a a, a dry champagne finish, you know. Mm, it's got a bit of a brut kind of a brut kind of finish. Yeah. Um, so they're using a home Belgian strain of yeast, 
which they've obviously harvested themselves and created. Um, and a lot of your your farm style yeasts, like your saison yeast and so on, finish very dry. They they're very efficient at at basically eating up all the sugar in the in the available sugar in the malt and the wort, um, and fermenting that out. Which uh, is the technical term for that is attenuation. So your highly attenuating yeast, or what what is meant by attenuation, is the degree to which it can ferment available sugar so that's that's probably what's happening is it's a highly attenuating belgian style of yeast which they've uh, either created themselves or harvested or and uh it's lovely i mean it's, it's, it's beautiful it's, it's meant to be it's refreshing beautiful. right so your farm style beers are, are more workers beers you know they're beers which you traditionally in the mm. old days would serve after harvest and you know you're, you're tired you've been in the field all day long and you want something refreshing not something yeah. that's going to knock you on your ass um, so it can't be too high in alcohol, but uh, but still very refreshing. It's got that kind of crispness of of a of a of a good cider of a mm. you know of a dry wine. It's refreshing. It's nice when it's cold. It's um, it's a beautiful beer. It is a beautiful beer. I think that's you've nailed it. I think that's in this you know some of those things like a beer can be a beautiful thing when all the different elements come together. So balanced, eh? So balanced. Yeah. There's nothing overwhelming about it. There's no, there's no surprises to it except for how balanced it is. Mm. I think for me, the only part which is different from maybe expectation of having had other table beers in the past um, is that it's a little bit more citrusy, um, a little fruitier than I'm used to, and and from the hops, it's a hop fruitiness. It's the, it's that sort of more American style. Um, tropical flavors, which which you might associate with something like a blonde ale or a very very light session IPA, um, which is nice. I think it's a good addition. It it adds to the beer rather than taking away from it. And it's such a kind of awakening of my palate. It's really mm. really beautiful yeah. in that sense. And it's got the it's got that sort of distinctly dry, like I said, dry finish, but it's got spiciness. Which is from the yeast, you know. It's got the Belgian mm. spicy yeast. It's not very, like horse blanket kind of heavy duty Belgian. No, no, definitely um, not. But it's, it does add a spiciness to the beer, which I quite enjoy. What a lovely beer! You're, I mean, it is. It is exactly what it's supposed to be for me. You know, it's going to be a refreshing uh, yeah. beer you have on a hot summer's day. This is for me a great lawnmower beer. Um, I would. Yeah, I could mow the lawn and drink this beer. Absolutely. This is. So refreshing that any kind of physical activity uh, uh, will be rewarding. Ah, uh, Marcel, as if we partake in any physical I activity. Well, we like to keep Come up on. appearances, you know. Come on. No, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yesterday I put my pool mat on. That's about as far as wow. I'm going today. Did you Did you hurt uh, yourself doing that? You flex a muscle? I, I was going to say, I think I tore an ACL, but yeah. I'll only know when I when I move again, which will only be in a couple of weeks' time. Right. Or even a year. You know, you never know. Or even a year. Be careful why, why rush? Why rush? Okay, so that right, was... right. Let's 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 go to round two. Round two. Round two. Round two. And and I believe it's your pick, my friend. It is. Okay, this is a tough one because I can again go for a pretty obvious choice, which I'm sure is on both of our lists, and it almost has to be mentioned in in the context of a heist movie. But I'm going to defer that for later. Okay. And I'm going to go with a bit more of an alternative choice. It could, mm. this could be question marked as is this uh, a heist? Uh, now, uh, now that I'm looking at it again, I'm, I'm not so sure. But I'm going to well, say it anyway, and we're going to debate the shit out of it. I am going to claim that Three Kings. No! 
This is the sound of me angrily backspacing. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty classic one for me. At, uh, Damn it. Good movie. Damn it. Very good movie. Yeah, Three Kings. I, I'm mm. surprised, man, because that's not a that's not a recent film. It didn't have a huge amount of buzz around it. No. But it's just a classily put together film with a great cast, great script, great editing. Yeah, it's just um, one of those almost perfect movies. You know, it, it doesn't let go from the first moment to the last. There's never a boring bit in it. Um, Absolutely. I like Mark Wahlberg's performance especially because I think he does that. I actually prefer early Mark Wahlberg to what he's become now, which is almost sort of an yeah. action hero type kind of he, thing. He, he was more character-y you yeah. know, back when he started. Like he, he, he inhabited characters. Now he's just Mark Wahlberg shooting people. Yes, and it doesn't work for him. I don't. He's not a convincing action hero to me, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, he's better at being the the guy who's kind of out of place, you know, or out of his depth, and yeah, or the yeah, everyman. Very much know? so. I mean, in the, in, yeah. in Three Kings, he does it exceptionally well. Where he, I like the way he portrays the sort of guy who's just caught up in the moment. He's a decent person, so he's a he's a carpet salesman, I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think he's a carpet salesman, and now he's been fucked off to Iraq, and he's mm. like, you know, he's not happy about it. No yeah. one's happy about it. That's the whole point. Is like these guys are grunts. They're pissed off. Yeah. They want to go home. They don't know what they're going to do when they get there. And they want to take, yeah. you know, they want to take, do a score so they can make something of this. Exactly. And, and I mean, I think the, the other part of it, which is nice, is that he's always the one who kind of tries to get people to be a little bit nicer, a little more civilized, you know. Yeah. Like he, the, yeah. the Hick guy who's uh, excellent also. I mean, uh, you know, the, uh, it's Spike Jones. Yeah. Spike I mean, Jones. He's so good at it. And, um, you know, he sort of tries to correct these sort of racist comments, which he makes unconsciously, I think. You know, the character, yeah. Spike Jones character doesn't even know that that's supposed to be a bad thing to say. And also, right, like, yeah. during the interrogation scene, which is pretty rough, or torture scene, really, um, yeah. you know, where, where you know, the, the guy, his, his torture basically asks him, you know, do you, can you imagine what it's like to lose your, 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 your wife and child in a bombing? And then in this movie, this is the kind of movie which then cuts to an actual recreation yeah. scene of Mark Wahlberg's wife and kid where we meet earlier in the movie being bombed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he says, yeah, that's horrible. You know, and he means it. Like, he's very sincere. Yeah, like you can see, he's, he's, he's like actually really upset by the thought. Yeah, he's sincere. He's, he, he, I, that's what I guess Mark Wahlberg is very good at is he plays sincere very well for me um, yeah. in a way which other actors don't often do. No, it's, he's, he's very good. And I, I love George Clooney. And George Clooney seems infinitely capable. Like nothing surprises mm. him. He's just doing exactly what he wants to do. Yeah, um, as, as he must be in this role. You know, he is the special forces guy. He's the only one of the the three, you know, titular kings who actually is a warrior. You know, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. All the yeah, others correct. are there for other reasons. I mean, there's this lovely scene also where I think the, the question, I don't know who asked the question. I think maybe George Clooney does of like, you know, you're going to go back to your old lives, and then they, they again they shoot back to what is the the real life is where we learn what what, what their old lives actually yeah, are. Wahlberg yeah. is the carpet salesman, Ice Cube is the guy who's a baggage handler in the airport. That's and, right. And, yeah. and uh, Spike Jones has no job. He's like shooting stuff with a <laughs> shotgun in the trailer park. You know. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so they're all like these losers, really. They don't have yeah. fantastic lives. What, what I also liked about Three Kings, and it's uh, it was directed by David O. Russell, who like went on to do like Silver Linings Playbook and mm. Our Heart Huckabees, and you know, it like very good, good character-driven mm. stories. Um, what I really liked about this was uh, Three Kings kind of has a 
unapologetic view of the stupidity of war. Yes. You know, like like this reporter arrives and Spike Jones has to take her out to go and just, you know, press the flesh with the with the press, literally. You mm. know, like show show her a good time, show that we're like killing Iraqis or whatever it is. And he takes her to like the oil fields where there's just thousands of birds all dying because they're completely yeah. submerged in oil. And that's where she and breaks like, down for the first and time. And she breaks down and she looks at this, she goes, this is so fucking stupid. Mm. This is a, this is dumb. What the what are we doing here? Yeah. Played by Nora Dunn, uh, I think, is the actress. Okay, Nora Dunn, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, like, the, you know, they travel around Iraq and they're trying to steal stuff, but like, it's all confusing. No one knows what's going on. They're like, are you Iraqis? No, we're this guy. Okay, mm. are you Americans? Well, we're, what are you here to do? No yeah. one knows. No it, one knows it, anything. It shows you know? the American soldier the typical american soldier also being completely and politically naive they don't even understand anything about yeah. the country they're invading absolutely um, and it's it's just sort of and they just want to have they don't want to be involved in that complexity they just want to know who to shoot you know that's ex- the, the opening the opening scene of the film if i remember correctly mm. is um is mark Wahlberg seeing an iraqi with the gun yeah and then literally turning his shoulder and going are we shooting like are we <laughs> yeah. is this one of the times where we can kill people or yeah. is it one of the times where we can't kill people you know mm. it's 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 yeah it's a brilliantly made film it's one of my favorites i'm i'm very i'm both upset and impressed that you had it on your list thank you man i i'm going to take that as a compliment no absolutely uh, and it fills me with a tremendous amount of sick pleasure that i can snipe something off you <laughs> i actually had it i actually had it paired with kelly's heroes oh is that your because next pick because now you've kind of no no no, no 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 i will not do that i will oh, not no. do that no i just wanted to because I, I had like a slash between them and it was just they're both kind of that wartime mm. heist film yeah. you know well, but, all, all, but, this is but also with weird. very morally ambiguous characters yeah. you know this is a bit weird i mean i'm going to reveal just for the sake of the weirdness that that in fact kelly's heroes and three kings are on the same part of my list Oh, seriously? That is weird, man. You're, we're inside each other's heads, man. Get out of my mind, Charles. <laughs> uh, it's not a nice place to be, man. I could tell you. <laughs> I've been trying no, to find no, an exit no, now for gonna... a number of hours. <laughs> I warned you. You're not going to enjoy yourself. Don't. Yeah. So what's Don't your look pick? between 16 and 18 either. So, okay. So my next one I'm going to choose is one of my favorite 90s past forms. Ooh. And it's Sneakers. Ah, okay. Oh, that is a great ice pick. Thank you very much. Not an obvious You're welcome. One. I, I, it's not on no. my list, but I'm now worried. It, it would have been on my list if I'd remembered it. Well, well, you're welcome. Too many uh, secrets. Just, uh, too many secrets. Too many yeah. secrets. Gr- amazing cast: Robert Redford, uh, Ben Kingsley, ben King- River Phoenix. Good, eh? Yeah, Sidney Poitier, mm. um, Dan Aykroyd. Like just the best of the best. Stellar um, cast, really. Me- yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it also, the, it, it's, uh, and I think heist films lend themselves quite naturally to comedy, you know, mm. it's uh, in many ways, I mean, we've seen it time and time again, and I think Sneakers was one of those first ones that really broke out as being a very, very funny heist film, you know? It was, I mean, it, it was serious subject matter, but there was so many good, there was physical comedy, of people yeah. just wiping out as they're trying to run away from stuff. There's the <laughs> yeah. the scummy federale type comes into play here, as you see in some other ice movies as well. Yeah, yeah. There's there's Dan Eckwood who's like uh, he plays a guy called Mother, yes. and he's um, he's um, isn't he a he's conspiracy? A conspir- he's a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, he's a conspiracy so theorist. But but the funny thing is, as with all of these type of movies, like he turns out right. You know, yes. the government is listening. The one they time. are watching you. 
<laughs> it's paranoia pays off. It's actually, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, it's, I, I love it. I love it. And everyone um, just is almost at their peak in a sense. You know, it's peak Redford in a sense. You know, he's he's doing just things which which only peak Redford could do at that start. At absolutely. That stage. Um, absolutely. You know, Potier as well. I mean, he's he's someone yeah. who you never see enough of. I think you know, like he's someone who I always am delighted to see him in any movie. That is a good, pick. Um, very very good. Thank pick. you. Thank you very much. Uh, I, just just a note, like the the director of this, uh, uh, I think his name was Phil Robinson. Mm. He his his previous film that he directed was Field of Dreams. Oh wow! Okay, so he's a and so he, heavy hitter. He, he went from yeah, he went from Field of Dreams mm. to to Sneakers, and and I think Sneakers was while probably profitable, wasn't the box of a success that Field of Dreams was. Right. Um, but it's also a substantially more subtle film, you know. Mm. Yeah. It is. I mean, I, and you see, I see he has also done some some of all fears, the uh, Ben Affleck, uh, uh, Tom Clancy flick. Oh, uh, uh, yes. Which yes, is not yes, bad. Yes, I quite right. like that movie. So he's got a very diverse set of, of movies he's been involved in. Full Alden Robinson. That's right. Yeah. Alden Robinson. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sneakers. That's 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 my guess. It's got a. It's. I I really really love that film, and I, I think Robert Redford and Ben Kingsley in particular are such good foils to each other in that film. It's they really, are, and really and Kingsley can be very scary as a villain. He yeah. He's very good at, at channeling that very dark energy. That's for sure. Absolutely. They I like that they play against that in uh, in Iron Man two, I think. Yes, where, he's where the, you know he's the, the Mandarin. <laughs> That's a brilliant but, but it turns out he's just like an out of out of work uh, mm. uh, unemployed actor from England, you know. It's, it's just, like his base gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's just drunk, and it's his. It's so funny. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's 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 mine. Beer, that's actually. mine. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Shall we have another beer? Yes. Which one am I fetching? So the next one we're gonna have is the the next lightest up is the SA Bulls. So that's their take on a uh, rustic country lager, what they're calling it, and then we're gonna get into the heavy stuff after that, which is their IPAs. Again, it Bulls. It's a it's a it's a style of beer which is becoming more popular now, the Pilsner style. I see more and more breweries who are producing a lager are producing a Pilsner. Um, so can I confirm that that is what a, a Pils is? It's a Pilsner? Yeah, it's a Pilsner. Okay, all right. Before I make a, a mockery of myself, yes. So yeah, Pilsner is a sub-style of the lager category of beers. Um, and, uh, you know, it's often you get different. You get German Pilsners, you get Bohemian Pilsners, which is sort of the original one from the Czech Republic. Um, you know, which is Pilsner Uquel was was one of the first Bohemian Pilsners of that name. Um, it's also, I think, a protected name in in the Czech Republic and uh, in Germany as well. So there's been pretty strict rules about what you're allowed to call a Pilsner and what's not. But uh, in South Africa and other countries, there aren't very strict uh, rules about these things. So you can get a much wider variety of uh, interpretations of the style. So what do you think of the artwork here, man? Also kind of an illustrative label, pastoral scene. Are you are you into pastoral? I'm not normally into pastoral. I don't like milkmaids frolicking in meadows, but I must say I do prefer this picture to the one on the on the um, pale farm label. Um, this is just a bit more evocative for me, you know. Mm. Yeah, it says something about the geography of the place, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's actually it's actually quite nostalgic. I quite like that. Um, I will also say that on this label, their font size is I think like just one point bigger, and it makes it substantially easier to read 
Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at them side by side, and I agree. I mean, the one that Pale Farm one is just a bit too pale. It, it, it fades it's, a little bit too much for me. Yeah, it's just the, it's just too small. This this one is definitely better. I can I can handle this better. I think the picture is beautiful. Um, yeah, I like the layout as well. I'm, I maybe wouldn't block that illustration as much on that label. I would let it run mm. a little bit more into the text. Um, other than that, they also, again, have the same bottle top with the, the Brewers Association logo on it, which I which I like. Like The more I think about it, I think it's really important that they kind of advertise that. Um, yeah. And this one yeah, is made with 100% local ingredients. So that was – it's part of why it's called SA Pills. There, there's not a single non-South African ingredient in this beer, and it's very oh, okay. rare. You know, it's 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 much more common overseas in the states and in Europe. I mean, the craft scene there for croppers to be very uh, local, local for in their choice of ingredients. You know, so part of the whole craft ethic is that you want to support local businesses, local farmers, and you want to also create less travel. You know, you want to have a bit more of a carbon neutral profile. In your yeah. beer, so that you, you know, things don't have to be shipped from, you know, somewhere else in the world. I, I love that they're, they're malt. They've got Caledon barley and yeah. Swellendam wheat. I mean, that is such a cool little reference to mm. the areas that they come from. The, you know, wheat and, and barley are not really the most exciting or evocative ingredients. Yeah. You know? But but highlighting it like this and saying, you know, that these are the people that we're getting it from. This is part of our country. Mm. I, I think I think that's phenomenal. I really, really like it. It really is. And and more craft brewers in South Africa should be doing this. You know, it, it's perhaps somewhat ironic that an American trained craft brewer yeah. is sort of showing South Africans how it's done. But uh yeah. but I think it's wonderful. But, I think it's wonderful to think yeah. that you can produce a beer from entirely local ingredients. I mean, I think people are somewhat skeptical of the quality sometimes of local ingredients, and they're not wrong. You know, a lot of yeah. these uh, farms were really made to produce, mass-produce stuff for, for SA breweries in the past. Exactly, yeah. So it's not really, you know, incorrect to be skeptical, I guess. But uh, the local craft hop scene has also been improving of late. So you get more um, of the hop farms in the Neisner area and George in Georgia, um, you are growing. I was going to say that yeah. uh, that's a it's a mark of a mature industry. You know, mm. when when you start being able to locally source these homegrown and home devised strains for use in your yeah. in your beers, because traditionally the you know, hop farms in South Africa have produced highly high alpha acid, um, you know, bittering hops, which were used exclusively for SA brewery lagers, and so they didn't really produce a lot of noble hops or interesting hops that way. Um, but recently, there have been smaller, you know, allotments of more interesting hybrid hops, which have been bred here locally from different kinds of styles of hops, and uh, they are improving. You know, I mean, I'm on record, obviously, as often talking reasonably negatively about South African hops, so I'll I'll own that. Um, and it is it's difficult to work with a South African hop and not make your beer taste very hard, uh, yeah. harsh. You know, it's got that harsh bitterness because of the high alpha yeah. acids. You know, they're made to bitter. They're made to bitter very economically. So the alpha acid content is massive. But the the, the smaller varieties now coming out, like the ones that, which is used in this Pilsner, so that's my segue into the ingredient list here. Oh, um, yeah. Well done. Thank you. It took me a while. I, I saw that. I saw that happen. <laughs> and and they've basically got all three of the tinier varieties, uh, tiny in the sense of, you know, produced quantities um, of Southern Aroma, Southern Passion. Those two are well-known to some African homebrewers. You will find that in any homebrew shop. 
The third one, though, is less known, and that's Southern Sublime. That's a slightly newer kid on the block and uh, some interesting flavors. You know, and South African hops can be like other world hops in the sense that we they produce unique flavors. That's sort of the point, you know, and they already... Some of these, the Southern Sublime, I know, and the Southern Passion have been exported as well now. Um, so some of the international craft brewers are taking notice and wanting to put that in their beer because they're always on the lookout for new stuff, right? No, very much so. So what do you think? Uh, so before the pour, I think we can say we, we kind of dig this one. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do like this. I think this is a, uh, an iteration over the other one. So I'm having mine in a Pilsner glass. I, I, I dusted off my Pilsner glass for this occasion. Uh, and, you're uh, just stealing my idea. I know, right? I've got hardly any original ideas, man. I base most of my life on, <laughs> on a copy of yours. Uh, fair enough. A poor simulacrum. Yeah, good word there, simulacrum. You're, you're taking off the, the top shelf words today. <laughs> yes, yes. Me speaky goody. <laughs> speaky goody. <laughs> You got you got all the best words, man. <laughs> I have the best words. Simply terrific words. <laughs> wow, this one is also very light. That is yes, very 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 light. light. Wow, we yeah. so again, Pilsners ought to be light. I mean, lagers generally are light colored. Um, not all of them are this light, but I think it is again. You know, it's your very simple multiple wheat malts, yeah. very light colored. Your normal Pilsner malt, or in this case, the barley they they got from. Um, colored on, obviously a very light version of it, but very clear. Mm. This one isn't hazy at all, so that this is very, very crystal clear. Oh, it's much, much less opaque, yeah. Yeah. So this they would have filtered, I think. You know, then most of the Pilsner styles and any lager style, you really want crystal clear, unless it's specifically a unfiltered lager, which is style. Um, sort of your Keller lager styles are sometimes unfiltered. So what do you think on the nose, if anything? Not a lot, but I will say that I'm getting like a small, like a small fruity hint, you know, like a, a passion fruit or passion fruit and grass kind of thing. Mm. And then a freshly cut grass, maybe. That's what I'm getting. I'm, I'm getting sort of a freshly cut lawn, sort of slightly. Yeah, there's a, there's a there's a little little bit of mustiness to it. Yeah, slightly spicy notes, but not lots. I mean, this is definitely not as aromatic as the table beer we just had. Um, far less aromatic for sure, but looks incredibly. Pleasant in the glass, really nice rocky. It does. It does look white head, not beautiful head, and very good head retention. You know, it's another thing of their beers I've noticed is their their head retention is very very good. Doesn't disappear yeah. after a few seconds like some beers do. It's it's actually a very it's like a bubble bath head. You know, it's mm, uh, it's mm, strong, mm. very very strong. And you want that in a lager. I'm always very disappointed in any kind of lager which doesn't have a strong rocky head. It's really part of the joys of a lager. I'm sorry, Marcel, I have to drink this. Be quiet. Mm. Mm. Oh. Very clean. Clean tasting oh. beer, this. Mm. Also, yeah. also crisp. Um, mm. Not as dry. Like, it, it is crisp, but it's not as dry on the finish. Mm. Mm. Um, there, like, there's definitely a fruitiness here. There's definitely some... I think very restrained use of hops, though. I think the this is one of the things which I find um, the brewer, Nick Smith, I don't know how oh. he does it. I think he's a bit of a magician mm. because I have never been able to produce very muted hop flavors like this from South African hops, especially. Um, and and many of the other beers in South Africa which have Southern Promise or Southern Passion in them uh, tend to be very harsh. And he doesn't have any of that. This is a very clean, very light touch with the hops, but it's bitter, but not. it doesn't have that. You know, that it's edgy. bitter, but it's not. Mm. 
Mm. It's 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 bitter enough to balance the dryness, but it's not bitter like that's a flavor that I'm I'm tasting, you know. Yeah, no, it doesn't hit you over the head. And a lot of those African hopped beers tend to be a bit hard. They hit you over the head with the bitterness to the point where it coats yeah, the, your tongue. The castle and you're done. hammer. Yeah, this is really light touch, but it's nice and bitter for and a pilsner should be quite bitter. It's it's IBU wise, uh, you know, pilsners can be quite high in IBU. Even so, even though he hasn't used any of the traditional Hallertauer type of style German noble hops and so on, um, he's he's done a fantastic job. I mean, it's 4.1 ABV, so it's, it's towards the lighter of the delicious. spectrum. Delicious. Shit. Um, but such a beautiful little beer. I mean, fruity flavors coming from those South African fruity hops because our fruit our hops tend to go towards lychee, um, pineapple, uh, yeah, orange that's, even. That's, I think, but but like not astringent. You know, it's not a mm. it's not a, 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 a sour sweet. It's a it's a deep kind of mm. uh, 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 like I think you mentioned honey. You know, it's, it's like a without being cloying. It's a it's a sweet sweet, a bright sweet. You know. Yeah, no, for sure. There's there's honeyed notes here which you would want to get from Pilsner. I think. Well done. It's this is a lovely. phenomenal Pilsner. Wow, we there's so many lagers out there in the craft industry right now. It's something I've bemoaned in the past that craft brewers tend to kind of go towards the beers they've drunk all their life which is not surprising but sometimes a bit disappointing that you know so many of them produce lagers first you know first round um yeah when it's there's, the go-to there's like 200 styles of beer to choose from you know yeah uh, but this is a, a worthy entry you know i think this this deserves to exist in the local scene and this is locally produced with local ingredients local ingredients that's the thing is that you can make a phenomenal beer using nothing but stuff that you can find in this country mm. it's just about the skill in putting it together i'm so blown yeah. away by this and i'm so i'm proud i'm really really proud it's astounding beer it's astounding it, it's it's such a well balanced well crafted beer again you know any of your light beers like your lagers your blonde ales your the table beer we just had um they are they are sort of skill showcases for brewers you know you if if you want to show a brewer's skill, you make them brew a light beer, like a like a lager yeah. or a pilsner, yeah. Because there's nothing to hide behind. You know, you can't Absolutely. throw tons of barley in, dark malts. You know, lots of hops to sort of obscure any mistakes you may have made along the way. Um, yeah. So it's all there to be seen. You know, like any any error will be highlighted and magnified. Yeah, um, that's so true. That's so so true. Great. If there was anything in this beer that was out of balance, you'd know it immediately. What I find extraordinary is the hop use. I mean, I'm kind of harping on it a little bit, but I have to say, I mean, if 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 this was a blind taste and you asked me what hops do you think is in this beer, I would never have guessed any South African hops. That would not be my first choice. I would have gone yeah. for a Hala Tower, you, you, maybe a, spoken, a, an American style, sort of tropical. Yeah. You, you've spoken before about the kind of unsubtlety of South mm. African hops, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what's so surprising here is that You've introduced subtlety where none existed before, mm. and that's that's incredible. I think it's very, very skilled hop usage here. I, I, I'd be I'd be fascinated to know what the hop schedule looks like. Um, my suspicion is that there's probably, I don't know. Like I, 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 you know, even though I've been doing recipe formulation for a long, long time and brewing beer for a long time, I've I've got to say I'm, I'm a bit mystified as to what the the methods would be. I would guess. Very little early kettle hopping and more late hopping would be one of my guesses. Um, but then it doesn't have a lot of fruitiness, so you couldn't have used too much of that. Otherwise, it would be too fruity. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's not. It's, I think there, we'll just have is, to get, get Nick on the line and ask not, him. Yeah, why don't you phone him and just say, yo, dude, yeah. we're blown on, away. Man. Give me all of your secrets. <laughs> Give me your secret. So so I will admit, this was one of the ones I had yesterday, the, the pulse name. Oh, okay. So you had a bit and of practice. I had, to, I had to take a moment to myself. Mm. Like, like I had to go and stand in the garden and just drink this on my own because it was it was overwhelmingly good. It was just... That is, mm. that, and and having a second one, it wasn't a fluke. You know, that I didn't just yeah. get like the one good bottle that they've ever made. I think what makes these um, sort of craft lagers special is that because mostly your palate is formed by lagers at an early stage of a, you know, if you're a typical beer drinker and you don't start with craft beer, yeah, um, you you're very likely going to start with a mass-produced pilsner or lager. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And so when you when you have that craft-produced lagers, which tend to just be more flavorsome. They tend to be more balanced. They don't have that sort of skunk flavors like your green bottle lagers tend to have. It's always special, you know, to encounter. It's almost like, oh, so this is what yeah. the lagers are supposed to taste like. Yeah. <laughs> when it's not this made is, by a This is what I've been missing, you know? Yeah. Um, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you stole your dad's can of line lager when you were 14, this, mm. this is what you were looking for, you know? This is, the, mm. this is what you thought it was going to taste like. Well, that's the DNA of it, isn't it? I mean, this is, yeah. this is a country lager. It is probably much closer to the way lagers used to be produced in places like Moravia, Bohemia, and Germany and those, those countries which, and regions which spawned the style because it had to be mm. done with time. Right, and I also yeah. specifically state this: it's it's done in a traditional lagering way, which it's very subtle. He mentions it and then moves on, but if you're a brewer, you know what that actually means: is that this is not a easy beer nor a cheap beer to make. Exactly, um, exactly. Because traditional lagering means that you you are aging the beer in cold conditions for a long time. You know, you're you're probably putting it in lager state, so that's what lager means: is storage. So you're putting it in a in a cold tank for probably a month or two to let the lager yeast do its thing over a very long period which is why you have that crisp dry finish and and these things come with their own costs as well i mean storing something for like yeah well that's not going to be used for anything else now and yeah uh, exactly so it's it's costly for a brewer to make lagers in a traditional way that pays off right you get the sort of complexity you get the lovely finish it's a but I mean, this, this really should be the, the 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 thing you're aiming for is for a drinker to sit back and go, this is a quality beer. You know, yeah. it's I'm tasting things here in a style I've been drinking for 30 years mm. that I've never tasted before, and it's mm, uh, what a like really well done. It's a really beautiful beer. I, I find it interesting though, Matt, because you and I probably are not the best or the biggest lager fans out there. Um, no. You know, we, we drink them, but we often are a little bit dismissive of them, and we would yeah. far more prefer to have an IPA or something like that. But this really, the fact that you and I are now still talking about this beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going on a little bit. We're going to have to edit this down, Marcel. Yeah, we'll do, fix it in post. Um, I, look, look, but I think that's exactly the point, is that we, we talk about flavor. That's really what we're after. And we often go to IPAs because of the complexity and because of the fact that there's a lot of flavor in them. But you can pick up a bottle of, of what is ostensibly a lager and get that, that complexity that you're looking for in a very different beer. Then why mm. wouldn't we be impressed, you know? Yeah. And this is an impressive beer. I think that we can all agree. I hope this will be one of their production beers to stay because it's uh, – what a worthy contender for a locally produced craft lager. 100%. This should be in every pub in the country. I mean, everyone who's out there, uh, I'm, I've got friends who only drink Pilsner. They'll, they'll drink Hansa, for example. 
they, 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 this is what they should mm. have instead, you know? You're right. It should be in every pub in the country. Okay, so like, onwards. Ro- let's, let's, yeah, let's do, another, let's do another heist thing, man. Yeah. It's you to go first. It's your turn. It is me to go. Let's it see what, go. So, what other wonderful movies you can snipe off my list. So I'm not even sure this is going to be on your list because, uh, I, well, I just don't, I don't think people see it as a heist film. And so this is controversial, going, is what you're trying to say. It's going to be. It's going to. Be, it's controversial. It's well. It goes against the one uh, rule that we discussed earlier in terms of the heist being the payoff. Ah. So the the heist is like you know the the aim of the film, but the film is really more about the characters leading up to it and everything else. So okay. let, let me let me say it. Say I'm going to go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. You know I am. Um, I'm gonna go with a movie. It's from 2000, 2001. Um, called Sexy Beast. Okay, another Ben Kingsley. Uh, another Ben Kingsley, and I, and I think I actually came from sneakers directly into Sexy Beast. That's not a Kingsley. movie I would have picked for heist. I have to say. Well, well, I mean, the whole, the whole point of the film is they're setting up a heist, and they need. Ray Winston to come join the heist mm. and they send Ben Kingsley to go to him in Spain where he's ha- living a happily retired life. But as I recall, and, um, the heist never happens, right? No, the heist definitely happens. It's actually quite a clever, oh. it's quite a clever heist. They, 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 um, they flood a bank. I remember there's something about flooding. Yeah. So there's, there was a pool next door and they drill from the pool into the bank vault. Mm. So it floods the vault and destroys the security system. So they're able to get to all the safety deposit boxes. Right. So, so that I mean, it is. It's a, it is a heist film. That is the kind of point of the movie. But mm. it's everything else that makes it such a great film. Ben Kingsley performance is like off the charts. You know, he, he plays is a real psychopath. Psychotic, absolute psychotic, insane, abusive, yeah. terrible human being. He's, he's um, terrible in this movie. I remember that was my yeah. my overarching memory of the movie is how terrible a person he portrayed. He has this Correct. thing with with the guy's wife, and it's like that's oh, right, that's yeah. right. He'd he'd had an affair previously, and then you know they think maybe he's not just here to um, to convince us about the gig. Maybe he's also here to bang my wife again. And yeah. it is it's the, you know it's a it's a psychological heist film. You know it's it's very much in, internalized. It's beautifully acted by everybody. Mm. Ian McShane is in it. He plays the the crime lord. Yeah, he's um, great. At, he, crime lord, yeah. He's phenomenal. He's imposing, intimidating, horrific. You know, it's it's a it's a proper London gangster film, mm. shot in the south of Spain. It's brilliantly done. It's such a great great film, and the heist itself, like I say, is actually very clever. But it does go against that thing that the payoff isn't the heist. You know, it isn't that yeah. they do the heist that's a payoff. Uh, it's all the characters around it and what they do around the heist that really makes the difference. Mm. Um, I, I but, found but it sexy. a reasonably disturbing movie. I, I remember that. It was. It wasn't. I, I, it wasn't an easy. It's, it's not a an easy movie. movie. No, it's not a movie it's you a watch movie on a quiet afternoon. Mm. It actually does not no, have no, that no. cozy thing we spoke of a little earlier. No, 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 no. It it doesn't have that. I'm comfortable with the payoff mm. at all. You know, I think I. I mean, I don't want to give too much away. Spoiler: alert, Turn off if it's you've never seen Sexy Beast. I think they they actually kill Ben Kingsley's character. Um, yeah, it it was it's a it's a phenomenal film and it's 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 harrowing. You know, it's a a torrid film. Ben Kingsley's character abuses everyone around him. He is so. Um, I mean, he's chewing up the scenery in this movie. I mean, like he, he is. He ate it up, dude. I think he saw that script and immediately yeah, he was like, he "Right, here we go. This is it." 
And he's this known is like for, my, for this doing This is my reverse that. Gundy, mm. you know. It is reverse Gundy. <laughs> reverse Gundy is uh, <laughs> yeah. exactly that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, so that's 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 my choice, and I don't think it'll be on a lot of lists, but I do think it is. No, it's a good choice. I mean, I remember now, now that you mentioned the flooding, that was a, a memory I have of the movie. I just I could I couldn't quite understand how they got to there because, as I remember, Kingsley never convinced this guy to take part, but he obviously did. No, he did. Right. He absolutely did uh, through threatening him. You know, he right. basically threatened that he right. would destroy you. This happy little life he had in the south of Spain. Sure. I think what what is nice about Sexy Beast is one of the very few movies I know of which starts with the the guy who got away. Like most heist movies are about it's the one last score, then we're all going to be rich and we're going to retire to the Caribbean, right? And it never happens. Yeah. It almost never happens. He did his score. He did his last score. He, he did was happily retired. Yeah, he and he is actually living back. the good life. That's exactly right. So that's right, quite so. innovative uh, from that point of view. Yeah. Yeah, good yeah. one. Be- no, be- I think it's beautiful form, beautifully shot, brilliantly acted. I should um, watch that again if I can stand. I mean, I just find, yeah, that was very rough to go through Kingsley stuff. It's, but, it's harrowing. Yeah. It really is. But, but, it's, but it's, it's, it's a great, it's a very rewarding film. Oh, I'll put it on my to-watch list. So your second mm. Kingsley movie as well, which is interesting. Okay, I'm going to go for what's probably pretty obvious in a way. It's a very obvious choice. Okay. It, okay, let's hear it. It's a movie which I've watched recently again. I've, and in fact, I'm, I'm currently embarking on a bit of a project uh, with my better half. And it's something I would recommend anyone doing is to re-watch movies you liked back in the 90s, you know, mm, mm. especially in the 90s or when you were young, much younger. Up? Do they still hold up? And if so, how has your being a changed person changed them, you know, in a second mm-hmm. viewing? And sometimes movies which you love, do you watch again and you find, oh, that's just not as good as I remember it. What's so, nicer so us, is when a movie so plays what, better than it used to. That's always nice, when you encounter a movie which is way better than you remember it to be. So the highest film that you're referring to now, where does that sit on the list? This one is not way better than what it, what I remember it to be, but it hasn't aged badly either, which is nice. So I don't expect the highest movie to necessarily age that well. It's not. We're not talking about... Not sure. Gandhi here, you know, or Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Your typical ice movie is ice movie and it stays ice movie. The best I think it can probably have for is to play as well as it did when it was created. Yeah. And I, I would put this yes. one in that category. I love the actors in it. They are beautiful people to watch do the things they do. This is one of the actors who doesn't play a very big role, but is one of my favorites to watch is Vin Rames. Can you guess what this Rames. is? So, and it's Vin it's got Rames our, form. our favorite human being, one of our favorite human beings in it. Uh, which I'm sure you understand. It's very difficult not to Sean try and Connery and Ving Rhames. Mm. Do you remember this last movie? So this was also Did turn it? of the century, or not turn of the century, good Lord, I'm losing it. This was in the uh, also early 2000s. And if I mention the, the romantic lead, you will immediately know. Uh, is it Catherine Zeta-Jones? It is indeed. So I'm, of course, talking about Entrapment. Entrapment. There you go. 1999. Great, great choice. It was one of those great millennial choice. movies which had the millennial as part of the plot. Yes, absolutely. Because the ultimate heist has got to do with the computer switching over to the 2001. That's right. Y2K. I don't think Catherine Zeta-Jones ever looked better in any movie she's ever been in ever since. Uh, Unfortunately, I think Catherine Zeta-Jones knows that. Perhaps, but she is... I mean, I didn't... She was an unknown entity for me back then. I mean, I think I'd seen her... I don't know if this was pre or post Zorro, which was the other movie she was in at that time. Around there, yeah. Um, but she, I mean, this movie, she is absolutely beautiful in a way which 
is kind of almost reminiscent of those classic old Hollywood movies, you know, with... Uh, yeah, trans transcendental. You know, the Bogart-style movies where you had, had those leads who just... Well, yeah, transcendental. It's one of Connery's, you know, last great movies, I think. It's a role which is, again, very well suited to his style of acting. Uh, Vin Rames is the... Isn't almost like a bad guy? He's a sort of Connery's sidekick in a sense. Turns out to be a bit more complex. Um, Will Patton, who I like, he's he's a great, he's, he's a great sort of actor. like sad sack character. He does sad sack very well, you know. Yeah, he's got a face that just says I'm downtrodden and I don't like it. And it's it's got some it's got all the high tropes again. It's, it's got the high tech way of of breaking into places with oh uh, yeah the, the the laser beams laser beams and, and that's right you, you know you're rappelling down a side of a building with a special device. It's it's got you know so many different of the tropes that and it's got various double crosses throughout the movie and it's got the love story. I mean, I guess that's the the other part of a ice movie sometimes includes some kind of romantic uh, entanglement and it's got some humor. It doesn't always. I don't think it takes itself very seriously. Yeah, I think I think Entrapment as a film, uh, I think it knows that it's it, it's it's more reliant on the adventure side than it is yes. on, the, on the serious side. You know, it, it takes caper. You yeah. Know, to to where it should be. I, 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 it was on my list, and I actually took it off mm. purely because we've discussed it before, and I know that I knew it was going to be on your list. Right. So, so I was like, all right, let's Wise give him a <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I guess I. I, I'm, I mean, now that I look at our lists as they're evolving, I, I think I'm going more towards a more traditional caper type yeah. movie, and you're going a bit more diverse, and I, and I like that. I think so too. Yeah. Well, anyway, it was I enjoyed a good choice. That, that, that is a good solid host form. On yeah. to more beer, man. Yeah. Uh, really. I think so. You know, this is a beer show, which also happens yeah. to be a movie show, which also yeah, happens to be enough. a nerd show. It sometimes is a shit show. Sometimes <laughs> it's a complete fuck show, yeah. <laughs> now we're moving into the serious stuff. We're not messing around anymore. We're going to move on to the IPA. This is a cool opportunity for us to add to our IPA leaderboard, which is an ongoing concern here at uh, Scum Beer and Villainy. And, uh, I'll, it's the most important thing in my Yeah, life. and you can go find it at beginnerbrewer.com. I'll leave a link in the description notes as well for you to go and check that out. But uh, so far, just to give you a quick rundown of the leaderboard, yeah, number yeah, one is, is still unassailed by Laguanitas Brewery. Yeah, Laguanitas, jeez. The Little Something Something, which is their white IPA, so their Belgian IPA, um, holding solid there at number one. And second is Skeleton Coast IPA by Jack Black Breweries in, in, the Cape, in Western Cape. Mm. I'd like to revisit that number two. Mm. I'd like to revisit that. I think we, I think we had that skeleton coast a long time ago. We did. And, you know, uh, we can certainly revisit uh, it. There's a new fresh hop <clears throat> IPA out by Jack Black, which we haven't tasted yet. So there is yeah, a 2021 fresh hop, and we've we've got the fresh hop 2019 and 2020 on the list, um, but not the 21 yet. So there's a couple of uh, gaps here for yeah. us to uh, to fix. Okay, Matt. So the the next beer we're gonna have from Soul Barrel is their Tropical Parade New American IPA. And on the label, they describe this as very influenced by the West Coast style of IPA, which is bright fruit flavors, solid bitterness, that sort of thing. Um, and the Tropical Braid also sort of references the New Orleans Mardi Gras. What do you think, Matt? What do you think of the uh, the artwork? Very, very cool. It does it does evoke um, New Orleans parade. Um, it's a, it's a very fun label. Yeah. I quite like it. It's not super serious. It doesn't take itself super seriously. I do like <laughs> I do like in the text where it refers to this beard this beer as a hophead's dream. Yeah. I'm 
super excited to actually drink it. The yeah, the label is as with the others. I think this one again has got the slightly bigger font size, which I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's a friendly, fun label. It, yeah. it makes you think of sort of a party atmosphere. Um, and if you look at the ingredient list, I'm really super excited to taste this because it's got everything in Jeez. it I like. Yeah, uh, especially say, look at that hops. Look Rose, at those hops. Citra, Simcoe. Simcoe must be my favorite hop, really, if I had to pick one. Um, Centennial, Cascade, Whole Cone. So they've got some Whole Cone hops in here as well. I'm excited. I'm excited. Could this, could this beer go and do things to our top five list? Could I don't it know. supplant the favorites? It's going to be, it's going to have to do some hard work, some heavy lifting. So I've, I've brought out my special Trappist goblet for this occasion. Uh, which I only reserve for momentous occasions. So my previous goblet uh, made me feel like a prince. This makes me feel <laughs> like a king, <laughs> an emperor. You know, like there's a, 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 a marijuana on here. Yeah. A dime bag, yeah, a marijuana skunk. You know, that kind yeah. of skunk is what I'm really referring yeah. to. No, it is. It's, um, it's very much that sort of dankness. That um, Roy Bart just bought it at Home Affairs in a baggy kind of <laughs> smell, you know. You did some interesting things at Home Affairs in the in the past, man. Which I'm <laughs> <laughs> not sure we want to really get into it for the. I prefer uh, not to talk about it until yeah. uh, until the laws change. Exactly. Yeah, very dank. I've, I've got some. There is a very specific fruit here for me, and I. I Oh, it's a, you know it's so frustrating when you sometimes can't yeah. put a name to something yeah. because it's so distinctive, and I. It's almost like melon, melon or it's like, or pampino. like a melon rind. You know that pampino papaya. Yeah, papaya, I would say that yeah. it's actually there. Yeah, which I'm getting. Yeah, it's it's it is. It's like a papaya mm. grapefruity mix. That's what. Yeah, and that's definitely maybe the whole cone cascade, uh, which we're getting here. So just the the statistics behind this one. This is a robust IPA at six point five percent and sixty IBUs. So it's no slouch with the IBUs. So this is pretty I, I like decent. it. I like it. I like it a lot. There's mm. a there is a bitterness, but it's not it's not constant. Yeah, initially, I, what I'm tasting is some of the crystal malts, uh, which which this beer does mm. have. It's also got a very nice malt ball. It's got Maris Otter um, pale malt, which is a sort of a famous pale malt produced in England. Um, it's seen as one of the finer versions of a pale barley malt out there. Um, Simpsons Crystal, also a British, I think, variety, if I'm not mistaken. And then some carapels to round it out. Definitely, you can see in the colors, too. The color is a, a nice, kind of a golden, hazy golden color. It is. It is a very nice color, yeah. And the haziness comes probably from the whole cone hops, because there's more particulate matter in those. Hmm. I, I, like, I'm, I'm a little bit confused by the bitterness. I'm not... Mm. I'm not sure I'm getting all of it, to be entirely honest. It's not that bitter. I mean, it's not an extremely bitter beer. I think the flavor of the hops is more in the forefront. So I think there's lots of late hopping, lots of dry mm. hopping going on in this beer, maybe even. But but not a lot of upfront bitterness. It's not by any means sweet or anything like that. There's a there's a good balance. It is. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think there is a very good balance here. Um, Look, it's At bitter. First, I, actually, think, I think we're a bit inured to bitter beers as well, you and I, because we drink so much IPA that that if mm. you if you get to a less bitter example, sometimes it, it seems very light. Yeah, possibly. Um, I mean, would you? Would you I'm, I'm hesitant to say this, but would the the flavouring seems very muddled? Is that is that me? Is that COVID? Is that <laughs> what's what's talking there? Mm. It is a bit muddled. I, I think you're right. It doesn't quite, you know, the it's almost like different 
hop flavors here are competing a little bit against each other mm. um, because you get the That's, the sort of citrusy you know, citra, which which I sometimes think can be an overpowering hop because it's very lemon. Um, citra is very lemon. If you use too much mm, of it, it can really mm. overpower your, your flavor. Not here, but there is some lemon here. There's a, that papaya coming through again. There's an unmistakable tropical note, grapefruit note as well. But somehow it doesn't quite emerge very bright. I think that yeah, it doesn't it doesn't come out like with a with a particular note that's really really f- at the forefront. I yeah. mean, I, I think that's probably a testament to the balance. But at mm. the same time, it's it's difficult to really discern. Well, I guess that's where the idea the behind the beer. You know, is they're calling a tropical parade because it's got all the tropical kinds of hops in it, lots of them, different varieties to make into something of a of a smorgasbord of tropical flavors. I think that can work. I mean, I, I think it works in this beer. Yeah. I think it's yeah. It's maybe got a like you said the, the 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 hop flavors don't quite emerge quite as distinctly as one might want. I think it's. I do think it's very well balanced. I just think the 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 issue I have is that I'm not getting because of that brilliant balance. There's nothing that's really telling me this is the flavor. You know, I'm I'm tasting a lot more of that papaya now as well. Mm, definitely comes out. Look, I mean, if they had put on the label Session IPA, I think I would agree with it 100%. I think this is probably the most, a, a more innocuous IPA, you know. I don't, I do, I, do, I can taste a bit in this, I can taste the hops. So I don't think it's a, a faux PA, trademark Matt Bessling 2007. Yeah, I mean, like, I think that's maybe what we're picking up on is it is the flavor of the hops, but not the kind of flavors we necessarily prefer, you know. Do, do you think it's do you think it's too many flavors of hops? Do you think it might be one too many in terms of the mm. of being able to put one a little bit more forward than the others? It might be, you know. And I think sometimes you can you can be forgiven as a brewer to want to really showcase a particular kind of style of flavor. Um, and this could be one of those occasions where you just have you know so many nice hops you want to put in that it, it gets lost a little bit in translation, yeah. but. Yeah, I, I still it's think not, it's a it's, solid. It's not a bad beer. It's it's not a bad beer. It's a good IPA. It's a it's a sessionable IPA. I could sit and have a couple of these. It's time now, Matt, that we have to do the inevitable of using our highly subjective ten point rating. Uh, yeah. Any decimal allowed in this particular one. So yeah. where are we going to put it? I mean, it is sort of our you know famous star in a well placed car variety. So we're always comparing it to the things which have gone before. Yeah. And this is a tough one for me, I must say. This is a very, very difficult one for me because I think I think this beer was made with intent. Mm. I think it is the way they, – they've proved already that they make very good, well-balanced beers. Yes. And I think this beer is exactly how they want it to be. So I feel bad because I expect something a little bit different in terms of, you know, the, the forwardness of a particular mm. hop or a particular flavor. So – I do think it's a well put together beer, and I think it's a very sessionable beer, and I think that I would enjoy it. I, I, and I, maybe I've been too critical to make it seem like I'm not enjoying, it, but I am enjoying it. I just think that I wanted just a little bit more because of who they are. I've got a I've got a score in mind. What What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm I'm a kind of where you are at the moment. I think that I would have liked a bit more of a bright flavor profile, something which I could you know hang my hat on, as it were. Yeah. But it's a solid IPA. I could see myself having quite a few of these. 
Um, you know, it's it's nice and refreshing. It you know it ticks all the IPA boxes for me. And again, it's one of those IPAs I might well give to someone unfamiliar with IPAs to say, here's a very good, solid That's West true. Coast IPA That's example. very, very true. That's very um, true. This is, if I was going to introduce them to IPAs, this would not be a bad uh, entry, you know? No, not at all. So I'm, I'm going to give it a 7.5. That's where I'm hanging with the score. So yeah. for me, it's a little bit nicer than the King's Blockhouse was for me on our tasting last time. Yeah. Um, which is my other sort of go-to IPA, which I would show someone as a good example of a good IPA. Yes. So I, I enjoy this one a bit more. I think there's much more complexity in this beer um, yes. than than you find in something like King's Blockhouse. But it's not it's not blowing my mind. I have to say. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually going to agree with you, Marcel. I I, I was going to give it a seven, but I think because managing that many different types of hops and still coming out with something that is um, that is flavorful. And not contradictory. Mm. I'm, I'm giving it an extra 0.5. So I'm also going to give a 7.5 for this. One of those rare moments you and I agree uh, on score. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's got to uh, mean I, something. I think there's always a point difference, eh? <laughs> it's almost always, yeah. And, and I think this yeah. is good. I mean, it by no means, I think if you, you, you know, maybe if you're listening in, you, you might think we don't like this beer. We love this beer. Yeah. This is a very solid IPA, and it's definitely within the upper echelon of the ones we've tasted. I just think... It, it doesn't quite go into yeah. the top five category for me. Yeah. And I, and I also take issue with the fact that, I mean, like I said, on the, the, on the label, they say, you know, it's for hopheads. But I, I, don't, I don't think that's true. I think right. it's not about the quantity of hops that you put in or the different variety of hops that, put, that you put in. It's about being able to pull forward the, the best aspects of each one. Um, mm. That's what really defines what would be drinkable for a hophead, yeah. and um, and I and I, it just it feels like it's too balanced. It just it, like you said, there isn't a clarity of of bitterness or flavor in that that I'm that I'm that can make me go back to time and time again and say that's the beer I go to for that. You know? No, you're quite right. I think I mean it certainly is very hoppy, and there's lots of different hops in it, and I think that's what they mean by that is that you get to taste. Uh, what these different hop varietals taste you know, as a as a mix, um, but uh, it's it's just not bitter enough for me. To, it just yeah, to qualify yeah. And, and I think as like I said, uh, the, that bitterness is always at the end. You know, I'm not mm. getting anything forward in the hops, and yeah. and I think that's the disappointment that maybe one of those hops that they've used could have been done at the front and mm. not all at the back. You know. Yeah. No, I agree. I think look, it is a bit more of a modern style of IPA to to emphasise the hop flavour rather than bitterness, and that you do see more and more brewers now kind of toning down the bitterness levels of their IPAs to make them more accessible. So it is a bit of a modern yeah. trend, and I think it's fine. You know, they, we you know it's a it's a you know, to quote you on the movie section, it's a product of its time. But I yeah. um I kind of I like a bitter solid bitter IPA, you know, something which kind of blows me away a little bit with the bitterness. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, uh, we, we the, they, they speak a lot about the styling of this beer, you know, West Coast meets New Orleans, and maybe this is absolutely perfectly on style for those type of beers. Mm. But if we, are, if we are comparing it to the things that we love in an IPA, then perfectly balancing every hop against each other to come out with something that's drinkable but not challenging in any way isn't really what I'm looking for in an IPA, unfortunately. Uh, Having said that, we now have roughly about 20 or so IPAs on our leaderboard, and just sort of eyeballing the scores here, this one will be right in the middle. So it's it's right in the center of that list. 
So um, by no by, by no stretch of the imagination is it a bad IPA. Oh no, it's, it's not at all. Sitting comfortably where good IPAs sit. Yeah, I think being in the middle um, of this is a good place. It's just not stretching anything further, unfortunately. Yeah, no, correct. But let's. Uh, there's one more to go, and some more Ooh. heist movies to talk about. I um, like that. Let's who's do next? That. Here, is, it, is it is it my choice? Is it my turn? I do believe so. Okay, so so I've got one that is very modern, a very okay. very modern take on the heist film. This should be interesting. Um, and I'm, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if this is on your list as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with probably one of my favourite directors at the moment. Um, absolutely everything he does is just mind-blowing, visceral brilliance, um, sheer entertainment, if you can understand what's going on. <laughs> okay. Um, Sounds interesting. I'm going to go with Inception. Okay. That is a very interesting heist movie. I would never have, now that I think of it again, you know, like there's so many movies I love which are actually heist movies, and, and that's a yeah. great example. Yeah. Oh, Christopher heist Nolan. movies, you know, the, the thing that they're stealing isn't a physical object. They're mm. stealing... Ideas and concepts and information, mm. but it's very much it not from the bank vault. They're a... stealing it from the human brain. Yeah, and it's a bit of a sci-fi. So it's uh, you managed to pull oh. off a sci-fi heist movie. I know, I know. That's pretty know. cool, man. But I mean, uh, I mean, I'm taking credit for it. But this is all Chris Nolan, man. He's a mm. he's a he's a, a genius, an epochal genius. You know, There's, it's a once in a lifetime talent. But yeah, Just Inception FYI. is a fantastic movie. I I actually wanted to watch that recently again, and I'm now definitely going to be watching it again. Yeah, if you look at it, if you look at it for, as from the aspects of a of a heist film, it ticks all the boxes, man. And it's, I like the uh, fact just, that it is a it's an abstract heist. You're heisting someone's mind. Yes, um, absolutely. And it's not just that; yeah. it's a heist inside a heist inside a heist. It's, yeah. it's your your final goal isn't the first steps you take in the heist. You know, mm. you've got to do this, get there before you can even implement the plan for the second one. You know, and there's it's, lovely it's a, there's lovely interesting sci-fi elements of time not being the same across the different realities, so that you can yes. do lots of different and, things and, in very short. And that concept of the of the kick yeah, to get yeah, yeah. you out, you yeah. know, is is. Quite, it's such a brilliant little thing because we all know, you know, you're falling asleep at night, you're about to start dreaming, mm. and you get that kick, and that's what wakes you up, um, and that's the only way to get out of the dream. And it's so clever that they integrated that and incorporated that as uh, as a part of the story. I think also um, the the movie manages its acting down very well. You know, no one dominates, even though there are very heavyweight actors in that movie, including one of my yeah. favorites, of course, which is Michael Caine. Um, yeah, Michael Caine, Tom Hardy. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Just brilliance. Um, it's 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 an ensemble. It's not a. It's it, you know Leo is the lead, mm. but it's not a. It's not a film that needs leads. And that is it's to some extent cast. one of the defining characteristics of a heist movie. It's usually an ensemble cast. Very You're usually so. going to get some pretty Very heavy hitters so, in yeah. it. Yeah. And everyone has their own little so, thing they're good at in a heist movie, which I love. I love the the. It's got the recruitment scene, and which is one of the best parts of the heist movies where they recruit the different members of the gang. You know. Yes. It's a trope I love seeing. Um, it's almost not a ice movie for me if it doesn't have that. If it doesn't have getting the crew together. Yeah, no. it's a cool scene. And there's always one who doesn't want to be part of the crew. And, you know, it's all fun. I mean, it's, it's a fun part of it. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and again, very much, although the ending is a little bit more ambiguous in Inception, it, it, it does kind of tick the boxes that we were mm. talking about for a heist movie where it feels at least to, to a certain extent that the good guys won and the bad guys didn't, you yeah. know? Inception's my choice. What's, Good what's your next one? I find that, I mean, after that choice, I can't really beat it because you've gone full sci-fi on it. Um, <laughs> I know. I've touched, I've, I've ticked all the boxes there. You really have. Uh, I mean, there's a couple here. I mean, there's there's one which 
which would probably go on the list of much maligned movies, uh, which is one of the most maligned heist movies out there, which I know of, because it, it does not get very good reviews anywhere. Um, and people just really, it seems like it just got banned, you know, by the critics and, yeah. and everybody, which I, it's one of those movies where I'm clearly in a very special little Venn diagram. In the minority, yeah. Um, um, and then I've got the very obvious choice, which is sort of something we've been probably skirting around mentioning. Yeah, um, I know exactly what that choice is going to be. But it's such a good bloody heist movie. Mm. I feel like I have to say it, that it's, it's, it reinvented the genre. It brought it, it back. You know, we it hadn't, it we back, hadn't had heist movies for decades. And, and it got the ensemble right along. and it got everything right. I'm going to say it's Ocean's mm. Eleven for me, man. Ocean's Eleven, 100%. That's the, on the modern list. version you know, of Ocean's Eleven. So it, it's, yeah. it, it, it takes it from what it used to be was a bit of a rat pack movie. See all the Brad Pack members doing their thing, and it, yeah. it made it into a complex, very slick plot. Great acting, people clearly enjoying what they're doing on screen. Yeah, fun. It was a fun yeah. film. Ocean's Eleven is just, there's you know, the drama comes from the stakes, but it doesn't come from, you know, any kind of internal issues with whether mm. the characters are going to live or not. It's like yeah, the danger is all got, very I've, sort of immaterial, really. Yes, hundred percent. It's it's about the fun of the heist and the and will he or won't he? That's yeah. that's all you care about. And again, you know? there's a love story there with with him and uh, you know the the love of his life sort of and, thing. Now falling in love with the Julia, slimy, yeah. the slimy Andy Garcia character. And it's nice to see a guy like Andy Garcia, the, the character he portrays, getting his comeuppance. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Um, exactly. You want it to happen. Yeah. You, you want it you, to. You, that, it's not just about them succeeding at the heist. It's also about mm. him failing. And, I mean, there's just some fantastic character actors there. Bernie Mac being probably my favorite. Um, Well, Brad Pitt is phenomenal in Ocean's Eleven. He is. Always eating. (laughs) Always eating. It's his thing. He's Um, magnetic. He's brilliant in that, you know. You can't stop watching him. I mean, Matt Damon does really well. Um, Casey Affleck. Yeah, Casey Affleck. And this was pre, I think this was pre-Matt Damon action hero stuff. I, mean, I think it was, it was, yeah. It was just before he started doing the Bourne movies. Um, and, yeah, Clooney is completely and utterly believable as a, you know, complete veteran, Las Vegas, con artist, grifter kind of guy, you know, is living on his wits. And he just plays mm. that role exceptionally well. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it's and it it's the movie which everything ticks along nicely, it hums along nicely, the... They reveal just enough of the plan to keep you interested, but not everything in one go. Yeah, it's still a surprise when they pull it off, you know. You're like, yeah, oh, and then all the things kind of go together of why were they playing around yeah. with these remote-controlled cars and everything. And, mm. You know, so it's all it's all fun to watch, and, and it's still the best yeah. one of the of the three, or four, or however many there were. No, um, well, three and a half. Yeah, so, so Ocean's Eleven still to me is, is a movie you can point to and say that's a heist movie. That's that's everything yeah. a heist movie is supposed to be. Well, well I think Steven Soderbergh does heist films well. I he mean, does. I've got other ones on my list like Out of Sight. Mm. Um, See, now Out of Sight Lack- would have been one of those which I wouldn't know whether it's a heist movie or not. Yeah, it kind of straddles that middle ground. It's also um, a crime uh, lo- more for me. L- Logan Lackey um, mm. with Daniel Craig. Mm. Is also incredibly funny, I also love incredibly movie. fun. Yeah. Great, great film, great heist film. You know, he does it well. Mm. Soderbergh knows what he's doing. Um, okay, yeah, great choice. Uh, at the, uh, um, I'm going to have to cross it off my list. Should we, should we get that last beer out the way? Let's get the last one out of the way. And then maybe we might have a chance for one more movie or at least bringing out some of the also-rans. 
sure. So this next one is sort of what I would characterize as Soul Barrel's main IPA. I mean, it's the one which they brought out, as far as I know, the first um, of the, and it's it's the one production beer of Soul Barrel's you you can get more easily than some of the other beers. Certainly here up in Johannesburg, where you know that it's not always obvious that you're going to get them. So the beer is called Cape Cone. Uh, they're calling it a Southern Lights IPA. And um, the conceit of this beer is that uh, it also features mostly local hops, which again is something which uh, some brewers are afraid of. <laughs> so let's see if uh, if Soul Barrel did something else with it. So what's a so so first of all the thing that strikes me about this beer is that all the hops, so for, especially for a hop first hop head IPA, the hops are all South African. It's all South African, so it's all the Southern Promise, Southern uh, but Passion. That's, that, that's that's quite crazy because I mean I would have expected there to be some Citra or something like that. Yeah, it's um, very unique. I, I don't a, know of many IPAs in, in South Africa which only feature South African hops. It's quite a courageous move, definitely. Yeah, big time, big time. I'm I'm well impressed. Wheat, oats, yeah, okay. So I guess, um, I, mean, I don't know if we ought to read then that this is a New England IPA. I guess it is, if it uses a New England I, uh, yeast strain. Well, what's a Southern Lights IPA? Oh, is that, I mean, I, I assume this is a phrase to say that it's a South African IPA. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, I like the shit out of that. No, I'd, li- I'd, like, I'd like Southern Lights IPA to be the defining feature of South African IPAs. Hmm, it's a nice name. Definitely kind of catchy. Yeah. Um. So let's see. I mean, I mean, it, I guess it's sort of a New England style if it's using the New England hops, but it doesn't have to be because um, New England IPAs also have other things in them which make them, you know, cloudier like oats usually or wheat. Now, this does have wheat in it. So, yeah. Um, so for now, I, I guess the New England strain yeast, yeah. Open for debate. Okay. Well, let's pull this sucker. And again, I like the design. It doesn't take itself seriously. It's got the hop cone. You know, sort of some kind of looking like, like a looking like a king. A, a king, yeah. I like it. I it's mean, a little it's bit, fun. Uh, yeah, I do like it as well. It's 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 like the previous IPA, the Tropical Parade. It's more fun. Yeah. Um, it's probably not as illustrative as the mm. the uh, Pale Farm and the SA Pulse, but yeah. um, it's it's cool. I like it. I like it. So, what do you get off the nose there, Matt? Oh, no, I haven't even poured yet. I was still looking at the label. Give me a second. You're still still enticed by the label. Beautiful head. Very, very good head, yeah. Some lacing Mm. as well. Nice color, a bit paler than I expected. It's not as as much straw as the Tropical Parade. Yeah. So, again, it is light. Um, It would qualify as light straw. Yeah. Uh, Also looks slightly less carbonated. Not a Mm. whole lot of bubbles. In general, I didn't find their beers to be very carbonated. Um, no, true. I mean, the pills is probably the most carbonated, and that is to style. You know, it's yeah, it's your pills and lagers uh, in general should be a bit more carbonated. Where I I personally prefer an IPA with slightly less carbonation because it just keeps that that hop flavor on my tongue for a little bit longer. Yeah, not as much kind of grapefruit as I'd expect. Well, again, the South African hops don't have that much grapefruit, really. Yeah, I mean, they tend towards yeah. some more alternative flavors like lychee is, is a definite one which does come out of uniquely out of South African hops. There are not a lot of hops out there which have a lychee flavor. Um, and, and you get some more towards the I, – I find them more towards the pineapple kind of passion fruit side yeah. of things. 
again, maybe a bit of that papaya, that kind of um, mm. melon rind flavor more than anything else. Some lemon, definitely. I, I get the lemon. Yeah, a little bit of lemon, yeah, for sure. So it doesn't have a super fruity, kick you in the ass type of uh, aroma which comes out. Aroma, so let's, yeah. Let's taste and see if that's uh, different. Yeah let's, yeah, let's let's taste it. Yeah. So this is really mm. solid. I mean, again, mm. quite a light beer, ABV-wise. It's 4%. That's very nice. That's... That's that's actually quite strange because I'm getting I'm getting a lot of the bitterness without a lot of the cloying kind of darkness of you know very strong IPAs. No, it's 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 got a very interesting profile. I think it it has solid bitterness up front for sure. Mm. Um, I'm I'm catching quite a bit of uh, passion fruit now from the taste. It's, yes, it's probably I can taste the most that. predominant flavor for me. Yeah, also that, that that citrus lemon, very much so. Very much lemon, lemon in there. Um, finishes nice and dry. I think it finishes a little bit drier than the the tropical parade. Yes, definitely. Um, which I like. I mean, I'm I'm unashamedly a fan of a dry finishing beer. Mm. What what I also like here is I'm not getting a lot of it being left on my tongue. Yeah, I'm not getting any real fatigue from from the hops. But and I think that's because that bitterness is all up front. You know, I'm not getting mm. a heck of a lot to hanging around afterwards. I think this, if I mean, even though it's not mentioned anywhere on the label, as far as I can tell, it's not a session IPA by intent. But I think in execution, it it for yeah, me it's is done actually, exactly that. This could be so far my favorite sessionable IPA. This is lovely. This is lovely. Yeah. I'm kind of halfway through my glass, and I'm really not getting that hoppy fatigue, but I'm mm. still getting the bitterness, which is so refreshing. It's very rewarding. No, yeah. I mean, like we have had some. Let's just face it. We've had some bad session IPAs on the show. Um, yeah, we've had like barely barely IPA session mm. IPAs. Um, and in fact, some it's, of some of the the lower scoring IPAs on our list are tend to be session IPAs. This is not such such a beer. I think this beer delivers full IPA flavor. It's got some interesting tropical fruit flavors you don't always see in, mm. in beers because it, it doesn't use any American hops. So it doesn't have those traditional. Sea hops, you know your Centennial, Citra, Cascade, Chinook yeah. kind of flavors. That that's exactly right. Yeah, it's it's got some excitingly new flavors. You know, I think the passion fruit's definitely new for me. You don't get a lot of passion fruit flavored IPAs. Um, yeah, the, like that that grapefruity mm. musk is totally totally absent from yeah, this. No, for sure. And um, that's that's quite something. Um, I don't think I've ever tasted an IPA that doesn't have that. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that is a result of them using only South African hops. I mean, there could be even lychee. I mean, I might be making this up now. No, no, no. Lychee, absolutely. Like that, that, that sweet, bitter, simultaneous. Mm. Um, I can, I definitely get that. Mm. Uh, and, and also, the aroma of lychee is very distinct as you're drinking it. It is, and and the lychee is a very sweet fruit, you know. So I think that's where you get that sweetness from. It's not sweet actually. I mean, there's no. Residual, not no, a lot no, of residual it's sugar. It's the impression of sweetness. It's, absolutely. It, it's yeah. It, I think it sparks that memory of having had very sweet lychee fruit, and then it, it sort of connects it up in your brain. Yeah. Um, also, eminently well balanced. You know, a good malt backbone. It doesn't. Mm. It doesn't knock you over the head with the hops and then kind of leaves you bleeding. Yeah. Look, I mean, the only thing this would need to turn from like a sessionable one, a sessionable IPA, into like a proper robust IPA. Mm would be a little bit more hops uh, on the finish, would just be to leave that hoppy mm. flavor on your tongue. It would not be quite as, um, as clear but, in its finish. 
but that's exactly it. You'd lose mm. a lot of the dryness as well. You would, and I think um, this is think, a, this is part of the achievement of the beer. Is it? It doesn't leave you with that. Like you said, the hop fatigue is absent. Mm. You can have many of these. This is the, the yeah. I think this is probably, and I don't even. I'm not looking at our list at the moment, mm. but this is probably the best session IPA I've tasted in a long mm. time. Exactly, and and as I said, I mean, I don't think they they actually marketing and as such it should be well i think i think they should because I, I from what i can understand from the flavor profile in the hops that they've used it lends itself enormously to that mm. um the, the, if 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 this is what happens when you put you know distinctly south african hops into a beer to uh, and you balance it well then then maybe that's the southern light style maybe that's what yeah. they should be going for is we make sessionable ipas exactly uh, we don't you don't have to import cascade or citra to to dank it up Mm. You know, maybe maybe the bitterness is forefront, and you and you let it wash down dry. Yeah, and it it's it's a very pleasant drinking experience. It's very very pleasant, I must say. And and I think you're right. I think that they they might be missing a trick by not marketing it as a session IPA. But I I think also with some brewers, and I would include myself in this, session IPA sometimes is a bit of a code for faux PA. You know, in, yes, the, in the market, exactly. There. It's a, it's just a light beer. It's like it's, yeah, it we, we really wanted to jump on the IPA bandwagon, but we didn't really want to spend any money on hops. So, and exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know? So maybe that the, maybe the it's intentional. Control. You know, maybe it's intentional for them not to call it a session IPA, but just leave it at that and say this is a new style of IPA for the Southern Hemisphere. Could be their intent, but anyway, wh- whatever is, the but I mean, but, the branding decisions are, this is a damn good beer. It's beautiful. And, and, and the balance is really, really the most surprising thing about this mm. because the expectations were very different to what I experienced. That's the kicker for me. It's it's a very, very, very pleasant beer. It can mm. be had as a refreshing sort of post-activity beer or it can be, if you're really just looking for a nice IPA, it ticks both those boxes. So so let's let, can we put this on the IPA list, please? Let's put it on the IPA list. So where are you going to put it, Matt? Where so are you my score towards? for this... Mm-hmm. And and I might be slightly biased because of the South African sure, like sure. their dedication to using mm. South African ingredients as far as the hops is concerned. I'm gonna give this an eight point five. That's a big score. Mm. But it's a big it's a good beer. You know? It's a great, great I, beer. I think and you're... it's and it you can see there's a vision that they've that they've aimed at and they've completed that vision. And I think that mm. that needs a lot of respect. No, I think you're right. And I mean my score is slightly lower than yours, as it mostly is. But I'm gonna... you hate everybody. <laughs> exactly. I hate everybody. Uh, <laughs> everybody sucks. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight. I'm going to give it an eight, and uh, yeah. which will Fair put play. it at, at a very high level in our list. So it yeah. turns out that you know we may have expected Tropical Parade to be the one who usurps um, this list, but it, it, it's not the case. So actually, if we calculate the scores here, Cape Cone comes out as an 8.25, yeah. Um, which puts it right next to Lagunitas IPA. Holy at, shit! At number four. Uh, there, there seems to be like some sort of vague irony in the the two best <laughs> IPAs that we've tasted. One is one is from America, and the other one is from South Africa. I think that's uh, that says something. I don't know what, but that's quite something. But I mean, top four as far as all IPAs we've tasted is a is a really True. solid solid score. Yeah, it it really is, and I mean, I, I guess if you wanted to. Split hairs. I, I guess you could argue that of the top four or top five now, um, you know, all but one have been had a, an American brewer involved. <laughs> I don't know this Nick guy, but I'm going to have fucking words with him. <laughs> you know, to, or force him to to renounce his citizenship. Well, 
Well, fuck this. He comes to South Africa <laughs> and then makes the best IPA ever made out of South African ingredients. That pisses me off, man. Yeah. That well, that, that's, you know. that 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 sticks in my craw. I won't lie. <laughs> Helps to come from the you know, defining nation of IPAs yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah, congratulations, America. Well done <laughs> on fucking doing everything. But uh, a great beer. Not to take away from a it. A great I think beer. It, uh, yeah, congratulations, it's old That's really, really delicious and different and interesting and mm. unexpected. So, yeah. Yep. No, I think that, that sums it up. We've done cool. it. We have tasted, well, not all their beers, of course, but the ones we, no, we no. have. But the, the ones available to us in the mixed packet. Yeah. So I think, I mean, definitely argues maybe for a future episode where we delve into more of the barrel part of the soul barrel. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. For sure. Can, can we can we give a can we give it a shout out to Best Craft Beer, the website? Because that's been yes. our like kind of go to not a sponsor. For... We have no sponsors on this show. No, no, no. But if they want to sponsor it, that that would be great. Oh, we'd be absolutely but, okay but, with that. <laughs> but uh, but just to say, I mean, mm. they always uh, you know you find really interesting packs of beer, either mixed cases or from a particular brewery, and yeah. they deliver really quickly, and it's. Not exorbitantly expensive. So, True, it's it's actually like, remarkable. We'll, and and you know if you go to bestcraftbeer.co.za, I think that's their uh, URL. Yeah, I, th- I um, think that's the URL. There's yeah. always new stuff. Uh, you can belong to their mailing list, which I do, so they alert you to stuff coming out. But yeah. sometimes these packs are, are out, the sh- you know, are, are um, sold out very quickly. Um, so yeah. you're gonna have to jump yeah. a little bit. I see there is actually yeah. right now you can get a mixed case for from Soul Barrel from them, and there's a new that. beer yeah. added which I we saw don't the have. Soul Barrel cases there, which and I think I've it's had. on special as well. I think so. And there's there's a there's a new beer that we haven't had in this uh, tasting, which I've had, called yeah. Juicy Fresh, which is a, I think it's a grapefruit added grapefruit IPA. Okay. Oh, I'll give that a go. That sounds alright. I'm I'm on record as as being a a solid supporter of grapefruit IPAs. You you are ever or not. So it should be interesting to see what um, you think. Yes. Well, life's all about differences, isn't it? <laughs> Even though they are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 let's do one last movie. Let's do one. Let's last do one movie. last movie. I feel like I'm almost out it's... of movies. I mean, like it was weird that you know, we are so. Similar that you did snipe quite a few of mine. Um, I know, I know. That was the whole point. So who goes first this time? Is it me or you? It's. I think it's you. Okay. I think it's you. So, okay. I think that this is a tough one. I mean, I'm going to go with the maligned one because I think it deserves a little bit of love. Okay. And my other pick would have been Kelly's Heroes, which I think is yes. a, kind of a bizarre Second World War movie in some ways because it, it's Second World War by way of 1960s America. Yeah, it's true. Because um, it's got some very odd performances, especially by um, Don Sutherland. But the <laughs> especially by Donald, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know because he's actually a hippie. He's like a hippie Second World War hippie. I mean, it's like literally a character which couldn't possibly exist during the time the movie is supposed to be taking place. Um, so, they, they, I, I think they had beatniks. I think they had beatniks. No, but beatniks was, was the fifties even. That wasn't even in the in the forties. Maybe they were prototypical beatniks, Harper. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay. So, so we, but you can't use Kelly's Heroes because we did talk about it when we spoke about Three Kings. We did. So what's the other one? We did. The other one is in. I mean, it is the prototypical. I guess you could you could call it that. I mean, it's not the prototypical. Yeah. It's the name suggests yeah. that it is because it is simply called Heist. The Heist. Yes. Have I, have I ever watched The Heist? Not when, the when's heist. it from? What are, like which one? Two thousand and one. So there are a few movies with that title, so it's easy to get them wrong. So Heist is the two thousand and one movie. It's got a great ensemble cast. It's a David Mamet movie. 
which in itself should pique your interest, Matt, as a movie nerd. Mm, yeah, it's got I'm, Gene I'm Hackman. Listening. It's got Danny DeVito. It's got Dalroy Lindo. Um, Sam Rockwell was in it. One of his first, I love Sam first movies, I think, really, where he played a proper part. And yeah, a lot of really solid character actors. Uh, it's got oh, Ricky I'm Jay sure in Danny it, which oh, okay. like All right. watching. I don't think I've ever seen this film. It's, David Mamet. Why have I not seen it's a, a David it's a, Mamet it, film? It really did not succeed at the box office. It really failed badly at the box office. I think that's one of the reasons. So Mamet probably doesn't want you to remember it. Um you know, oh, it, it gets a kind of a reasonable rating on things like IMDb and so on. But it really, the critics hated this movie for reasons I still don't quite understand. Because it's it's a great heist movie, you know. I mean, Gene Hackman is this professional jewel thief. He, he really does do that sort of Robert De Niro professional actor. Um, there's, there's lots of double crosses. There's a very clever heist which takes place at an airport. Lots of tension. I love this movie. I mean, like, I I don't get it. Like, when I watched this movie, and I watched it not so long ago again, just to make sure that I wasn't, you know, completely high when I was watching it the you first time. You are completely out of your mind. Um, it's It holds up. It's a good movie. You know, it, it does what it this says on the box. Amazing. I, I, I Look, I love Delroy Lindo, because he's just fucking amazing he is everything great. he does. I mean, and how good was he not in Get Shorty, me? for instance? Absolutely, absolutely. He's a phenomenal character actor. Yeah, and, um, and in some ways, what a, what a, Linda I've, here I've never seen this. the I've other I've never actors. seen this. You should check it out. I will definitely check it out. Yeah. I can't even speak about this film because I didn't even know it existed. It's called, it's called Heist, not just heist, heist, just Heist. 2001. Yeah. So there, is, there are a few other movies with that title, so you just have to make sure it's not some of the others. Um, yeah, there is another one called The Heist from 2001 starring Ice-T and Luke Perry. Yeah, that's the one that's often confused with, so... <laughs> not the well, same I, thing. Uh, I, I'm not watching a Luke Perry film. I've never have, and I'm not going to start now. Yeah, I don't even know who Luke Perry is. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretend you didn't watch Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> we all did, Matt, and we were all really yeah. embarrassed at that fact. Okay, well, I've been, I'm, I have to give this to you because I don't have a clue I, what this I film is. I suspect there is I'm one reason weird about it. it is not well-liked. Is it? It is shot in... A very old-fashioned way, perhaps. Um, mm, in, it, it's got a slow burn. You know, let's put it that way. And and I find that a lot of times when movies were done post two thousand, when they were shot in a slow way, in a sort of a classic way, which yeah, you're more sure. more likely to see in the nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies movies, they were generally universally banned. Because um, yeah. I think in the two thousands, the audiences wanted quick moving kind of stuff. You know. Yeah. True. Yeah, I think the expectation had changed about what a film actually would be. Yeah, I see a um, bit of a return to that. I, I see more movies nowadays being shot with a slower pace, which I quite like. But Mama you're is old, and your brain has to keep up. True, you know that there's that. I didn't want to go <laughs> and say it, but uh, but I mean, I mean, Mama as a director is unimpeachable. I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. No, no, absolutely, as a playwright and a, a, a director, screenwriter, he's a yeah, he's phenomenal. So I'm, uh, that's why I'm quite surprised because I thought I'd seen all of his films. Okay, all right. I'll take your completely obscure early 2000s David Mamet movies and I'll raise you mm. mid-2010s. Wow, okay. Best Star Wars movie ever made. Oh, what? I don't get it. Rogue One, my boy. Rogue One. That is not a heist movie, man. Don't even come at me like that. No. What's was, the whole point Solo of the is a heist movie. What's the whole movie? point of the film? What's the whole point of the film? Solo was a heist movie. It actually involves what? real thieves stealing real shit. 
Listen to me. What is the point of Rogue One? They have to go and steal this thing from an installation. Wow, man. Do they have a scene where they get the crew together? You're pushing yes. this one, eh? You're really pushing no, it. Am I? I like am it. I? I'm not saying I don't like it. I don't like... No, no, I know you like it. I know you like it because you know I'm right. I would have... I mean, Solo is more of a vice movie or isn't But it? I'm not comparing it to Solo. And also, Solo Maybe isn't not. entirely about just one heist. Mm. You know what? Solo is actually, to me, more of a... Now that I think of it, it's more of an Indiana Jones kind of adventure movie. Yeah, Which absolutely. involves stealing things. Because Indiana Jones, I guess we could have put an Indiana Jones movie on this list because technically he's always stealing something. He's always stealing something, yeah. But it's yeah. not a heist. But I mean, those adventure films always were like that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know if it's just because I'm having this wonderful beer by Soul Barrel and it's reducing my critical faculties, but uh, I get it. I mean, you could argue that that if you're going to put Kelly's Heroes on the list, you may as well put Rogue One on. Then you, exactly, you can put Rogue One. I'm just annoyed See, that, that you um, you managed two sci-fi heist movies, and I couldn't think of a single one. Yeah, I I'm guess sorry. That's actually it's more Schadenfreude than you and anything I, else, and that I'm just substantially better. You are. You're better in always uh, in life. In always. Yeah. No, Rogue One is a, a fantastic film, and I think it ticks all the boxes as far as a heist mm. movie is concerned. Look, it's a war um, heist and, movie. I would I would qualify it. It's definitely a war movie. Um, it is a war movie, but I mean, but but, but so we're talking in the same category as Kelly's Heroes and Three Kings. Yeah, very it's much a so. War heist movie, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. I would say Three Kings um, actually has you can see some Three Kings DNA in Rogue War. Uh, in big Rogue time, um, big time, because and, it has the sort of unlikability <clears throat> factor in some of its heroes. Yeah, for sure. And also, it has got the best scene with Darth Vader in any Star Wars movie ever. Well, it so deserves that. Kind of have to have, it deserves to be on any list for that. We should actually just exactly. put Rogue just, One on all just lists. Just being a badass. That is, it's so weird that it took kind of like a side plot movie in Star to Wars. To properly show him To all. actually show him to be the badass everyone thinks he is in all the other movies exactly. he's in. Yeah, I know, dude. I know. That's why this is such a great film. Brilliant cast. Ben Mendelsohn, Mads mm. Mikkelsen. Mads is good. Um, Forrest Whitaker. Uh, Come on. You know, how can you not like any movie with Forrest Whitaker in it? Forrest Whitaker's in, exactly. Whitaker is, again, exactly. like one of those people, he's like, when he's on screen, you love it, and when he's off screen, you, you wish he was on again. You You're know? like, yeah, where's Forrest? Why yeah. is he not doing like, crazy eyes? That was my most disappointing thing in that whole movie is that he died so early. Come yeah, on, man. but I mean, that's also cool. Is it, though? Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> cool. I would it's have cool. liked to see him on that that uh, island planet. I would have liked to see what he got up to in battle. Yeah. The, yeah, the disappointing part is we never get to see him in battle. You know, yeah, like but he they had to fit it into the canon, and he always sure. died on that planet, and that was. But so he is such a badass that I'm sure you would have had some moves to to show off. You know. Yeah, that's mm. that. That to me is probably one. Of the, Good it, choice. It's the Star Wars form that is also a heist form, and it's Good choice. brilliant. Yeah, that's no, it's. it's I cannot much. disagree with you there. It's a good choice. Anyway, slice it. I think Rogue One, heist movie. It's annoying to me, though, that I didn't think of any sci-fi movies. Damn. I might lose my nerd credibility right here. Yeah, I know. You may as well hand in your headphones right now. I know. This is, this is the day when people are going to say, I was I was there when Harper <laughs> that's when That's when Marcel fell. All nerd credibility. Became oh, a regular sure. Joe. It's a regular fella. All right. Well, good uh, good. good Heist film draft. Um, yeah, I like that. I'm satisfied that I took that to the absolute cleaners. So you did. I think you won this draft hands. Yeah, down. I think hands down, total hands. Down. I mean, I I came Not in, even... you know, in, in reserve time a little bit with the obscure meme, but. <laughs> True, true. That was not but enough. I think overall, I don't think that you're going to win this one. That was not enough to save. Yeah, no, you you did well. Props to you, man. 
Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Nice one. So, so as we finish off, let's discuss anything that you are up to recently besides not leaving your house. Besides not leaving my house, uh, which has become a profession. Um, mm. I uh, yeah, I'm happy to say that that beginner brewer has branched off into YouTube, and so now we've got a couple of videos up and running on YouTube where I uh, do some step by step brewing uh, videos where you can go watch me brew some beer, and that's going to be uh, you know more and more of those videos that will be dropping as time goes by. Um, I do ever preferably not on a timeline like our podcast. Preferably not, although, you know, being a one-man operation has got its own challenges when it comes to producing video. And video is hard, Just be man. better, Marcel. Just be video better. Video is so hard. Just I must say, better. I far prefer this podcast sort of format of doing things only with a voice. Because as soon as images come into play, it becomes super complicated. Well, because then we can see your disfigured face. Well, I guess also, you know, as a... Uh, I'm just going to ignore that. Um, you know, as a movie kind of nerd, my... You know, I... I you know, I'm not rational in the sense of comparing my amateur video shoots to you know someone who doesn't know what he's doing but rather you know i obviously want to have spike lee level skills of course uh, but i mean as usual with these things our reach exceeds our grasp oh by so so far yeah so <laughs> yeah so I, I guess that's the other problem but uh um yeah so so people are interested go and check out the youtube yeah, you know, channel please subscribe it helps me uh, a lot in getting these things out um, I'll leave a, a link in the description of the podcast. Yeah. So go check out my YouTube channel. So that's the big, big thing which has happened in my life on Beginner Brewer. What about you, man? Any interesting things you're up to? Uh, no, not currently. I mean, I mean, I got coronavirus and then I had major surgery. So between those things, you it did. felt like no, I, think I should so. just take are a you break. Recovering? But you're, you're uh, on yeah, the main, So, though, so sure. I felt like between, between the nightmare that my life has become and drinking beer, I should probably just chill out. You should probably drink more beer. That's, that's <laughs> well it, it makes the pain go away <laughs> it makes the pain go away. very sad <laughs> and on that very sad note i'm gonna say goodbye to everybody it's been lovely yes. having you matt and uh yes as usual i hope that the two listeners who are still following this podcast enjoyed it hi mom yeah hi matt's mom and unidentified <laughs> you know random listener from indonesia beer fan five you know five five seven zero <laughs> from, from from guam uh, Hopper fan O2. <laughs> okay. Um, Lovely. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Cheers, guys.